Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, I think we can all agree that the smartest person in the sports universe this morning is Holly Rowe. Holly, good decision. Going to the college football title game, missing out on the Jazz third straight road loss. Actually, I think Holly was in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis prepping for that, doing hits leading up to it. And I think she missed all three of the games. The loss in Toronto, the loss in Detroit, in Indiana, and then the loss in Detroit. And honestly, I think each one of those wor- losses got worse. Toronto, you understood. They didn't have the guys. Whiteside might have been the only rotation guy there. Maybe there was one more. But it, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't the Jazz. And they played hard, and they led for two and a half quarters, and then All-Star decided, eh, we're not going to lose to guys who are barely in the league, so forget it. You understand the Toronto loss. The Indiana loss, not great. And the Jets were missing more players against the Pistons than they were against the Pacers, but the Pacers are a much better team than the Pistons. And even missing three rotation players, the Jazz should beat the Pistons, especially because they were up by 22 points in the middle of the second quarter. And they were dominating. And Hassan Whiteside, who got off to a horrible start, had turned it around and was feasting. Early in the game, Whiteside, going against a player who's, I don't know, four or five inches shorter, got a shot blocked twice, real early in the game. You start 0 for 2, you finish 10 of 15. Well, that's good because that means you win 10 for 13. Hassan got matched up with Trey Lyles for a big stretch of the game. And Trey's also undersized versus Hassan. And by then, Hassan was awake and in bully mode. I think the moment they did it was Hassan Whiteside inbounded the ball early in the game. as one of the things where you don't expect an opponent to be lurking. And basically, you're not paying attention. You throw the ball straight to him. And then the guy hesitates for a moment and then comes right at you and dunks. And you never get off the ground. And Whiteside kind of flexed like, ah, what was I doing? Because, well, I think the question everybody had is, what are you doing? But after that, Whiteside was dominating, getting matched up with smaller guys. Clarkson threw a couple of great passes. Clarkson threw like an 18-foot alley-oop. I mean, it was it was a thing of beauty. Uh, Conley did too. Whiteside's going to town, catching a ball and dunking, catching alley-oops at the rim and dunking, getting the ball on the floor and going up and dunking. Finishing with 21 points and 14 rebounds. Basically just looking like the 10th grader, you know, playing against a bunch of 6th graders. <laughs> it was easy. And the Jazz were feasting, and then with 6-11 going in the second quarter, there's a timeout. And both teams sub three players. So six of the ten guys on the court change. And with that, the entire tenor of the game changes. Jazz are up by 22 at that moment and pulling away. They're up by 14 after a quarter. And they stretch the lead to 22. And they make those subs, and Detroit closes the quarter on like a 16-7 to run. And then in the third quarter, just keeps coming. Ties the game up. There's a little back and forth. And then in the fourth quarter, pulls away. Jazz gave up 78 points in the second half. They clearly miss Rudy Gobert. But they shouldn't be giving up 78 points when Rudy Gobert isn't there. Give up 58 points and be a poor defensive team. Don't give up 78 points and be a hideous defensive team. Is this not good enough? It's not remotely good enough. The Jazz didn't just lose to the Pistons. Detroit, at the end, there was no drama. Detroit dominated. They win by 10. It felt like 15 or 20. So the Jazz have lost three in a row. Now, you know, what does this mean? Big picture, long run. Well, face it. Everybody wants the Jazz to win the championship. They had the best record in the league last year. So now there's nothing but playoff success. You've done everything you can do in the regular season. And they're not winning the championship if they don't have Rudy. So... To a certain degree, these games don't mean anything. But Donovan Mitchell's post-game speech after Indiana I thought was spot on. We played it a couple times yesterday. Actually, I think we played it three times yesterday. 
And it's basically, you got to do things right all the time. Cross T's, dot I's, execute, go over the screen when you're supposed to go under, or go over when you're supposed to go over. Don't go under when you're supposed to go over. Stop turning the ball over. Stop giving up offensive rebounds and easy points in transition, whether they're dunks or the guys are pulling up for threes, either way. Don't do it. You got you to do the little things right all the time. And the Jazz didn't do that. Now, if they don't have Gobert, they're not winning the title. They didn't have Gobert. They didn't have Joe Ingles. Um, they were missing Rudy Gay off the bench. The bench played pretty well. That run they had in the early early in the second quarter, they did with Daniel House was in the game. Eric Pascal, guys who don't normally play, were in the game. And they were playing well. But the second half was a disaster, and really it started in the middle of the second quarter. So you can't really blame it on, oh, it's a long five-game road trip. Yeah, except most of the guys didn't play in the middle game. Well, they had a back-to-back. Well, most of the guys didn't play in the first game of the back-to-back. Toronto was the third game of the trip, the first game of the back-to-back, and guys didn't play. So I have a hard time buying all of that. Rudy wasn't there. They desperately need Rudy. But they ought to be better without Rudy. Not that they should be great without Rudy. I don't even know if they'd be good without Rudy. But if they could at least be mediocre or below average, 78 points and a half, that's hideous. You're, you're one bucket away from 80. That's just way too many points to give up in 24 minutes of basketball. So Jazz have lost three in a row. They play Cleveland on Wednesday, and then they're off until Sunday when they play Denver. Uh, Bowler was on uh, the broadcast last night saying that Joe is getting close. Now, I don't know if that means he plays Wednesday or not, but just from the way Bowler was talking, I think he plays Sunday against the Nuggets. When will Gobert get back? That's not as clear. Other guys are just going in, uh, so... You know, we'll have to see how it plays out for them and how sick they are and how long they need to bounce back. That's all to be figured out. But the first two guys in were Joe and Rudy, and it sounds like Joe is close, and then we'll see, uh, see how Rudy does after that. All right, and then the other thing is the college football game. The lousy first half. Lots of field goals. Bam up 9-6, but it got really good in the fourth quarter. And Stetson Bennett the fourth. The former walk-on quarterback who transferred to a JC, then came back to Georgia, lost the job, buried on the depth chart at number three, ends up starting and ends up winning the national championship. They didn't win the SEC. It was their only loss of the year, losing to Bama, but they got the rematch, and they did it with a big fourth quarter. And after a play that I really thought was a pass, but they ruled it a fumble, and Alabama recovered it, barely, because they reacted like they thought it was a pass. <laughs> and they got a short field, and they got a touchdown, and they took an 18-13 lead. Such an SEC football score. <laughs> and, then, and then it was all Georgia from there. Bennett threw a couple of touchdown passes. They got a pick six to ice it, and Georgia wins the title. And if there's one lesson, stay where you're planted. Don't be transferring all over the place. Go to your dream school. Chase your dreams. Stetson Bennett got to do it. But everything that's happened in the transfer portal says that's not the way most quarterbacks think. Jackson Dart went into the transfer portal, the uh, former Roy and Corner Canyon quarterback. So he transferred in high school. Now he's going to transfer in college one year at USC. New coach. New coach flirting with his old quarterback from Oklahoma. And Jackson Dart is, I'm out. Where he lands, I would think he could land at a uh, pretty high-file pro. Pretty high-profile program because I thought in the playing time he got, he looked good. He was a well-thought-of recruit who came in and was able to play uh, as a true freshman. and looked pretty good doing it. Had to battle some injuries. I, I would expect some interest there. But choose wisely. And of course, things change underneath you all the time. But choose wisely. 
All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break right now. Uh, coming up, we got the best of the jazz post game show on the way, and we've also got uh, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 the zone. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 the zone. Well, the Jazz lose to the Pistons 126 116, third straight road loss. And for more, let's get to the best of the post game show right here on 97.5 at 1280 the zone. Jazz recap from DJ and P- on DJ and PK here on 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Jake Scott with you. Brutal loss for the Jazz last night to the Pistons 126 to 116. Of course, the Jazz shorthanded, still missing a bunch of guys, including Rudy Gobert. And uh, it really was a factor, it has been a factor. Uh, uh, the last several games, of course, his defense was an issue, even going up against Detroit, who is the worst offensive team in the league. Did not look like it going up against this Jazz team last night as uh, the Pistons get a win, 126-116. to 116. Let's get you uh, some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Thank you. So uh, Detroit scores 78 after halftime on almost 60% shooting. Kind of what, was, uh, what were the biggest issues defensively? Well, I think, you know, at the beginning of the third quarter, um, first we didn't take care of the ball and we gave them some, you know, some easy, easy stuff, um, which I thought, you know, helped build their confidence. And um, I think our whole group knows, you know, how people perceive our team and how they can attack us. Um you know, I think we're better defensively than than we showed tonight. Um, I think we can impact some of those shots more. Obviously, you can't just point to their shooting, although, you know, obviously they, they did make shots. Uh, you know, but th- this is, you know, our our goal is to be the best, you know, version of ourselves um, at the end of the year. And, you know, this game – needs to help us help focus us uh, because you know some of the things that we need to be able to do that we need to place more value on whether it be taking care of the basketball you know staying in front when we don't stand in front you know to be shifted and be ready to help one another uh, you know when we did get a couple stops and i thought at some crucial times we didn't secure the ball uh, and we had to defend another possession so a lot of things here that, as I said, I, I think we're better than, um, you know, than what we showed tonight, but also things for us to, you know, to internalize and, you know, to, to, to be better. Sarah Todd. Quinn, how do you make the decision, I guess, on a night-to-night basis when you – on a game that you might want your guys to kind of move on from really quickly or a game where you might want them to look back and reflect on a little bit more? Well, I, I think I think you can do both. Um, you know, in this case, you know, I, I think it's a reminder to us how focused we need to be. Um you know, with, with respect to our execution offensively, um, I thought that let us down at certain points. And then, you know, also, you know, the things that I mentioned defensively that um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think, you, you know, you just let go of that. Um, at the same time, you know, you know when a team shoots like they did, that you know, you're going to have a hard time. 
um, you know, as I said, that, that, that said, you know, there's more that we can do to impact that, you know, our guys know that. And, you know, it's a, it's a reminder to us, you know, how connected we have to be on the defensive end. Tony Jones. Was there any thought of, of, uh, at, the, at the beginning of the second half, calling the quick timeout once they went on that initial 13-4 run, or was the the process of thought to try to let them let let the guys play through it a little bit? Well, you know, I, I think Tony, there's always times in the game you can look at, you know, where you could have called timeout, or when you do call a timeout, where you substitute. Um, in my mind. You know, this is something tonight that uh, as much as anything, you know, we can continue to focus our, our minds on the situation. The, the things that we were doing um, at the beginning of the quarter are things we've talked about. And you know, I think we're a team at this point that's been together enough. And, you know, hopefully we can we can make those adjustments Um you know, on our own. Um, that's not to say, you know, I can certainly, you know, look at that and, and question a timeout or not. I, I don't think in this case, uh, you know, the, the timeouts or game management, I'm not deflecting anything. You know, I can, I'll, we'll look at the tape and, you know, we tried to do certain things, whether it be blitz the pick and roll or shift or rotate or substitute. We played small with Eric. Um, we got Hassan back in and had him trying to protect the rim. So th there were a lot of things that, you know, that all of us can do. I mean, we're, we're a team, you know, players and coaches included. And, you know, if that timeout should have been taken or, or would have helped, obviously, you know, I would take it. Um, but in this case, again, I, I feel like our group, you know, you know, does have the capability when focused to, to make adjustments, um, you know, when they're necessary as well. Okay, last question, Andy Larson. Quinn, you mentioned this team has been together for a long time, and, and for years now, kind of the defensive numbers haven't been great when Rudy Gobert is not available. So I guess, do you feel like you have personnel that can be a good defensive team when Rudy Gobert is not on the floor? I mean, that, that, I don't think there's any, any uh, mystery in that you're, if the defensive player of the year is not on the floor, that you're not going to be as good defensively. We were, you know, we, we were decent defensively in the first half. So the answer to that is it, uh, is, is yes, you know, we're not going to be as good defensively. There's, there's, you know, there's no question about that. Um, but we can be better than we were tonight. I, I know that. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team uh, fell last night in Detroit, one twenty six to one sixteen. Uh, let's get to the players. Let's uh, start the player sound off with Mike Conley. Hey, Mike. I'm I'm wondering when you guys have uh, sort of nights where you struggle a little bit defensively, especially like you did in the second half, um, not getting out on shooters or maybe missing um, a rotation or a switch or whatever it is on the perimeter where would you say that the biggest problems lie is it communication or is it a misrotation or what is it that is the problem well, I, I think there's there's multiple things going on but initially i think it 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 lies on us just you know staying in front of our man um uh relying on on help when we need it but not 
you know, not overhelping at times, uh, understanding when to help, when not to. And, you know, we've got guys who, 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 you know, we'll turn them two or three times, but we can't just let them play one-on-one uh, with the court spread. So as a team, we have to do a better job of communicating and being in and help first and then uh, kind of space out to shooters on the back end. And, and then at the end of it, complete, uh, you know, to complete the possession and get the, get the defensive rebound and go. Because uh, when we got stops, you know, we were able to get out and make make plays in the offensive end. And tonight was another night where they just started driving and, and you know, kind of gashing us in the paint. Next up, Tony Jones. Mike, where would you say would be the big would have been the biggest issue defensively for you guys tonight? Um, I think obviously containing the ball is big, um, but. We had some miscommunications on defense where we left guys, you know, wide open in corners, and um, you know whether it be we're, we're changing up defense mid game, we all got to be on the same page. And I thought we just weren't as as tight as a group. Um, and there's no excuses of who's who's in or who's out of the lineup. We we're, we've been playing together long enough to know where we need to be and uh, in those situations. And um, we had some lapses there that that you know at the end of it. You, you, you pile up two, three, four of those. Uh, you give a team like Detroit confidence to, to go out there and play free and, and, and go out there and beat you. Eric Walden. Mike, along those lines, Quinn was saying that you guys had a decent first half defensively, and then obviously you look at the numbers Detroit put up after the break. Uh, what change was it more, you know, that you guys stopped doing things that you were doing early on or that they just adjusted to it? Uh, what, what was the big change after the break? I thought initially it was, you know, turnovers on the offensive end. You know, I think us – Giving them easy, easy layups, easy dunks on the other end, just kind of got them in a in a mode where they were they're more of an attack mode. When we kind of had them on their heels in the first half, uh, we were being the aggressor, and um, you know I think our offense, you know, got stagnant and led to to easy buckets for them. And then you know defensively, it was tougher on us because they just started you know stretching the floor and spacing five guys out and just you know trying to trying to drive and kick out and they played uh you know Trey Lyles at the at the five there and tried to space us with a, with a shooting big in and and that's what we're going to see from teams and we know that already and um you know we just got to be better follow up from Sarah Todd Mike, you said you guys have been together for a long time and been playing together, but you do have guys that are playing with the team for the first time this week. And you've got guys that are playing kind of in, in positions and playing minutes and spots where they haven't all season long. How much does that impact what you guys are able to do? Uh, it, it impacts it. You know, obviously every team is going through that um, right now. So like I said, it's, it's not an excuse on our end. I think it's, you know, in games where you do have guys in the lineup that haven't been in for a while, it's it's more evident that you have to just play harder. You have to do things uh, a little bit tighter. You know, everything has to be a little bit more, you know, crisp. And, and um, you, you really have to communicate in those situations. I think that we just, you know, in all those areas, we weren't at our best tonight, obviously. And, um, and to help those new guys, um, we all have to try to keep keep them in the knit as much as we can. You know, our, obviously our playbook isn't this as a, a expanded. You know, when you got guys like Rudy Gay and Rudy Gobert out, and you know, a lot of it runs through Rudy Gobert and what we do. So we have to get Hassan up to speed. We have to get Novell and um, EP playing the five some. Like just we just, we just having to mix and match guys and 
um, you know, we're just trying to work it out as we go. But at the end of the day, you know, we still, with the talent we have in this team, we have to, we have to be better. There's Mike Conley. He had 13 points, eight assists uh, last night in the loss against Detroit. Up next, let's hear from Jordan Clarkson. Hey, JC. So, um, they wound up scoring 78 points after halftime. Uh, what were kind of the, the big changes after the break in terms of what they were doing differently or, or what was going on with you guys defensively? Well, uh, and then they turned the ball over. Uh, and then they started scoring. And, you know, we switched, they got into the lane, finished and made shots. Uh, a couple of the guys hit big threes towards the end and uh, made big plays. Uh, they were just getting in the paint, driving us. Uh, they were just making plays. Sorry, Todd. Jordan, where do you feel like the Jazz's defense is right now? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can gauge that right now. It's uh, kind of like uh, making the best of our situation in terms of COVID and guys out and stuff like that. Still figuring it out. Um, but, I mean, these last two games, I don't think it's been the best that – you know, we have played at all uh, on that end or, or offensively. So, um, I mean, this is uh, halfway through the season. We expect rough patches and um, stuff like this to happen, especially with what we got going on. Uh, but all the guys that's been coming in uh, have been playing hard, uh, trying to figure out everything. You know, we got so many concepts and everything as well. So, um, you know, they're doing a great job of listening and trying to pick up as much as they can as much as fast as possible. So uh, I don't think I could gauge anything on that. Uh, but these last two games, three games, uh, you know, it's been it's been tough. OK, follow up from Sarah. Well, uh, Sarah Todd, how much does that impact things when you've got, you know, guys that just started playing with you this week or you've got, you know, like EP playing at the five and that hasn't happened a lot this this season, especially since Rudy Gay has been back? Um, I mean, just shoot. I mean, I've been trading mid-season like two, three years in a row. Or like, not in a row, but you know what I'm saying. I've been on different teams, learning different different stuff, playing with new guys. Um, it is different, but, you know, it's the league. Right now, this is just what we got to do. This is what uh, we got to embrace and, you know, come out there and compete every night um, and try to get wins. Uh, but like I said, those guys – Playing hard, um, they doing what they can on their end to try to learn as fast as quick as possible to kind of get thrown in the rotation and and uh, the lineups. But like Eric, Eric's done a great job for us. Uh, he did a great job for us early in the year too, um, playing that position. So uh, you know, I think he's he's uh, really stepped in and, and done a great job with that too. Jordan Clarkson, uh, right there. Jordan came off the bench, twenty eight minutes, sixteen points, five boards, and uh, had three assists in the loss. Let's now wrap up the player sound with Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Don. So after the Pacers lost the other night, you were kind of, you know, a little critical of, of in terms of saying the effort and the, the consistency and the competitiveness need to be on that championship level every game. Um, what are your thoughts kind of after, after a night like tonight where Detroit has the second half that they do? Um, 
give credit where credit's due. They did a lot of things well in the second half. Um, we didn't do a lot right in the second half. We got to guard, man. We got to just guard the ball. There really ain't much else to it. Um, if we get beat, we got to have second up, have each other's back. We're just disjointed on the front end, and it's, it's apparent. I have Rudy back there. Like, you know, we got to do it, or we got to be able to have each other's back like that. And, you know, we have this is what happens. So. Yeah, I ain't got much else for you. Sarah Todd? Don, when there's a breakdown on the perimeter on defense, where would you say the, the biggest issue is there? Is it point of attack, communication? What is the biggest problem? Every, everything. We know we got to stay in front. Can't get back up. We get beat. We got to have help. Close out the shooters. And they shot they shot the hell out of the ball, you know, as well. You know, even when we were there contesting, they shot 50% from three. Um, but even still, they're getting those shots because guys are getting to the paint off one move. Um, we're not talking. We're talking the first half. Can't get up. We can't get up 20-something. And, like, lose. Like, like can't like it's just not we fooling ourselves and we say we want to win a championship and we have a night like tonight the past two nights really so it's like got a point Sarah but we just got to do it I, I, I really we just got to go out there and do it we got to communicate got to have each other's back we did it you saw what it looked like in the first half <laughs> we just got to do it Tony Jones why are you guys is, is there a specific reason why you guys are not uh guarding uh the way you the way you need need to guard i mean last last three games um you know just defensively and obviously the first game you guys didn't have your guys a lot of the regulars but you know in indiana detroit um just really bad defensively both nights when you don't have Rudy Gobert back there, our intensity has to turn up. Like we did it against Denver, you know, it's 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 there. But we don't do it consistently. Like I said in, in um, where were we were just at Indiana, don't do it consistently. This is going to happen, and this is one through seventeen, or however many guys we got in lock. But this isn't just on one person, on three people, on a selective group. This is. Everything. We get up, excited, happy, whatever, and we 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 have a lack of focus. We were locked in when we had to be against Denver. You know, we were locked in from start to finish. It didn't look necessarily pretty all the time, but it it, it felt like we were communicating and talking. So it's not that we can't. You know, obviously the glaring thing is Rudy's not back there to to save us and protect us on the defensive end, but we've done it. Like we, we we did it, so it's okay. It's capable. We're capable. Now it's like, are we going to do it on a consistent basis? And we we aren't, and it's got to be fixed. That's Donovan Mitchell, 31 points, 11 of 25 shooting. He had uh, three boards and four assists as well as the Jazz lose, 126 to 116. The Jazz now return home. Uh, they'll take on the Cleveland Cavaliers coming up tomorrow night. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. There is the best of the post-game show when we come back. Steve Cleveland, our college basketball insider, coming up next. 
DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Our college basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, joined us late in yesterday's show. He talks college hoops. He talks NBA hoops. He's our basketball insider. Here is Steve. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, We've had uh, a lot of colder weather for Central California, a lot of rain, but uh, it's all good. Excellent. The uh, Utah Jazz have a lot of guys going into health and safety protocol. They were the last team to put a guy in, but Joe Ingles went in, and then Rudy Gobert went in a couple days later. And now we got word on uh, Sunday that Rudy Gay and Elijah Hughes are going in as well. The Jazz are down a starter and two subs who play a pretty good chunk of time themselves. So how much should Jazz fans be sweating the results now, and how much do you just have to get through the next, I don't know, week or two, whatever it turns out to be? You know, I, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate circumstance. The Jazz should feel very blessed that uh, they haven't had to deal with what a lot of the teams in the, in the league have. I think the Jazz, just I mean, they're kind of the last bastion of people, you know, programs to actually get, get hard, hit pretty hard. But, I mean, it's, that's what's happening throughout the league. What's been amazing to me, and a lot of, as I've watched games and little bits and pieces of games, is how many really good players there are in the NBA. <laughs> Guys I've never heard of, you know, dropping 25 or dropping 27, and they're you know they're they're playing six or seven minutes a game. So uh, it, it does say something about the depth and the talent, especially some of the young talent in the league that. Uh, you know, it's all of a sudden you think it's going to be a blowout and two or three people that we had never heard of, you know, score 15, 18, 20 points. There's a lot of good players in the league, and not all of them are playing just because of the depth and the talent of this league. So that has been something that's been a little bit surprising uh, in that other people have had a chance to step up. And, you know, you do that, your team gets better. You, you can't afford losses, a lot of losses, but uh, that's that's the way it is. So... Uh, I, I don't think the Jazz. I mean, obviously, anytime you're missing a, people who are getting significant minutes, it's gonna you're gonna have to make adjustments. But I think for the Jazz, most of their leading scorers, guys that uh, have been carrying that team, are still playing. Yeah, and and you look at it, and my my thought is maybe it'll change going forward. Uh, because if guys are out and a bunch of teams have you know key players out, four and five guys, it's going to be hard for them to win. We saw it the other night in Toronto. The Jazz, by their own uh, doing, you know, sat basically everyone, and so the young guys yep. had a nice first half, and then Van Fleet did what he did in the second half, so they ended up losing the game. So I'm thinking that you know maybe it waters down the regular season, but to date though. If I make that argument, I don't know that I have the standings to back me up because it looks like the best teams in the West, particularly, and sticking with the West, they're where they're supposed to be. One, two, three with the Jazz, and the Grizzlies got a lot of young talent there. Uh, obviously, Morant and that Bain kid that the, they got at the end of the first round is looking like a steal big time. So when I look at the standings, they basically reflect... Uh, what's happened? You know, you, some injuries involved with the Lakers and Clippers for sure. Uh, and but you're, every season there's injuries. You can't predict them, and you can't count on them. But they always happen. So as I look at the standings, though, it's not really COVID related to the standings because they're trying to. They're basically true to the talent that's been available. It's true, and I and I think for, for instance, you look you're looking at Golden State and Phoenix and Utah. 
I mean, yes, uh, Booker was out for a few games, but they've never really been hit hard. And these are teams that all that have depth as well. You know, I mean, these are, you know, you take Golden State, I'm going to talk about Memphis in a minute, but Golden State and Phoenix and Utah have all had protocol, safety, uh, health and protocol issues, but not to the magnitude where three of their leading scorers were out at the same time. You know, it's, it's usually one or two guys and somebody else picks up, and, and, and consequently you're right. I mean, the teams we thought would be really good, though, I think Golden State has is, is surprised some people. I, I don't think we felt maybe going into the year that Golden State would be 30-9, and nine, but, you know, it's also, you know, Jordan Poole and Otto Potter, uh, uh, you know, Port Porter plays playing well, and Wiggins has become an all-star. I mean, it's been, it's been a crazy what Golden State's done. So, uh, I didn't expect Golden State to have to jump out like this. Phoenix and Utah, I think we all kind of expected it. I, I actually went and saw Memphis play last week uh, uh, against the Clippers. And, uh, and I've been watching them and following them. And, and you, you mentioned it already, Pat. I mean, Bain has been he, – he's incredible. I mean, he has got a motor. He's got a stroke. I mean, he, 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 and, and Jaron Jackson – they, and they're, they're missing a couple of guys right now, too, with, uh, with Dylan Brooks being out and Steven Adams being out. But, uh, I mean, I know Clippers didn't really have, you know, you don't have Paul and you don't have Kawhi playing. But I'm telling you, I've watched them in other games, and Memphis is really, really, really good. I mean, they are fun to watch. I took my grandkids, and, and the, uh, the irony is we went to see Memphis to see John Morant. And, and, he, and he didn't play. Right. You know, he sat on the bench and walked around. But uh, that was disappointing. But, yeah, that is a team that is going to have to seriously be reckoned with because they really, really guard. And they're tough, tough-minded guys. And, and Bain is the perfect example of that. So that is really kind of a surprise. Kind of a surprise team for the NBA. I mean, we all knew that John Morant had it, but we didn't look at them as being elite three or four teams in the NBA West. And I'm, they're not going anywhere. They they just play so hard and compete, and uh, fun, fun, fun team to watch play. You mentioned the Warriors, and Clay Thompson is back. He's driving into traffic and throwing down a dunk with guys all around him. He's not worried about how he's landing, if he's going to get bumped, if he's going to. Boy, there was no fear whatsoever. And I'm curious if you can think of anyone who has been out for two and a half years straight. You know, Bernard King was out a long time ago for yeah. a full year, and his comeback was treated like the biggest thing ever. But that was one year, not two and a half years. And Grant Hill missed a lot of time, but he played 47 games over four years, so obviously he missed a lot of time, but he did play some. Bill Walton, I, I, don't, I can't think of a parallel for a guy who was completely shut down for two and a half seasons. No, you know, you know the thing is, when I was – when they were going through all that, and I, and I watched a bit of that game last night, and I, I just thought the mental part and the emotional part of doing that. I mean, yes, there was all of the physical that had to be dealt with, and all of the the, the physical therapy and all the, the magnitude of all the things that had to be done with doctors. But I mean, I'm telling you, right, just the emotional well-being and the mental health uh, of of going through that, and it's something that you have such passion for and and in your mind you're thinking because they think our minds do things to us and just the idea that he might get hurt again and he seemed to play you know pretty free and with reckless abandon and 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 mind you you know two and a half years he's he's been working and everything that i've heard that's been reported is that 
you know, he's done everything he can possibly do. But I, I don't think we can underestimate the mental and emotional part of coming back and how hard that had to be. I mean, especially when someone that's been at the top of the mountain has won championships. And uh, I, I just thought in my in my in his gut, you know, it's kind of like you, you thought you're going to come up. You know, I just got to be positive. I got to play my game. I got to do what I, I got to be smart and not get in positions where I could hurt myself. Uh, he probably had to have a lot of counseling and a lot of friends talking through this thing because maybe the more difficult part would be the mental and the emotional part and not the physical. The body healed, got it where it needs to be, uh, but the the journey that he had mentally and emotionally, I can't even imagine. Do you install them as the favorites then, or you still want to see? Uh, you know, I, I, I still want to see. I mean, I, I think that he, he's certainly going to have an impact. The thing is, <clears throat> it, it it's kind of like, all right, Jordan Poole, who's been playing really good, and I don't know what his average is. Right? He used to go for about 15, 16 a night. You got Wiggins, who's playing, and you know, and so they're going to have to figure out how to play those people because the moment Clay Thompson comes on the floor, Jordan Poole takes a different role, and he's been playing really well, and 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 maybe Porter plays a different role as well. So yeah, I, I think the pieces are there. Do I think I think they've got a great coaching staff? They I mean, Draymond Green's like a coach on the floor. You got you know the best three-point shooter ever and who also plays with a very high IQ. I mean, it's not a stretch to say, hey, you can see Golden State winning it, but I don't think it happens that easy. It's going to take Clay Thompson time, and they're going to have to figure out how to play together because you've had some guys playing that have had been significant contributors, but all of a sudden their minutes are going to be down because Clay's probably going to take some of those minutes. And so there are some adjustments. I don't think it's just a smooth transition. It'll, it'll take uh, two or three weeks before they figure out where they're going. But Phoenix and Utah and Memphis in, 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 that, in that division are, are all capable of beating Golden State even with Clay Thompson. I mean, they're, if everybody stays healthy, uh, I, I, I do think it's going to be those four teams. Uh, I don't think anybody else, Dallas, Denver, the Lakers, are just they're, they're nowhere close. Uh, you know, if the Clippers got back Paul and Kawhi and they were healthy in March, uh, that they they would jump into that, but right now I don't see anybody that's close to those four teams, and I would have never thought I would say that about Memphis, but I, I've just I've kind of become a fan of watching them and and, and watching John Morant. But I, man, they're, they're, they have a lot of substance. It's not just the John Morant show. It, it is they defend and can shoot it, and they share the ball just like Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah do. So those those four teams. Uh, out of that four, you're going to have an NBA West champion. I don't think anybody's going to sneak up on him. Despite the fact, PK, sure, I kiss up to as many local teams as possible to get the ratings as high as possible on Talking Sports, which may or may not be true. I'll take the fifth on that. Uh, <laughs> I started the season thinking Barcella was the best player in the state and BYU was an NCAA tournament team. And PK has definitely talked me into Justin Bean as the best player in the state. But I think BYU, with the two injuries to the big guys, is vulnerable defensively against better teams, maybe even against mediocre teams if, they're, you know, if they have the right uh, talent, the right players to attack them. And scoring has become such a struggle for anyone other than Barcelo on a given night, maybe Troy or maybe Nell. But scoring for the team has been an issue. I'm thinking they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. What do you think? I think it's too early to say that. 
I, I, I do I do I do agree with you that it, scoring is a struggle. Now you know when you're watching St. Mary's, who makes the game really ugly and makes it very difficult. And but I but I, I, I but I agree with you that you know Nell and Spencer Johnson and you know are both guys that on any given night can shoot the three well. Luke Lucas is more of a scorer than he is a shooter, but. That he he actually brings something there that they that they really need, and you know Borcello is going to get the attention of everybody, and, and so I would say you know they're going to go play Gonzaga, and then they're going to go play USF. Uh, it, you know it's going to be tough to beat Gonzaga at home. I mean it's been done before. I'm not sure this team has the ability to do that. You never know. The, the big game for them this week is USF, and who's who's gotten off to a really good year. I think they're 14 and two or. Uh, or yeah, I think they're fourteen and two, and, and so really, they're. I, I don't think St. Mary's is, is going to be in the top three personally. I mean, they may end up there, but I think San Francisco is a better team. You know, I wa- I watched that game, and, and I, I I just <laughs> I was so surprised that how long it took both teams to kind of figure things out. And 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 mind you, when you play St. Mary's, they grind it, they defend the three as good as anybody. I mean, they just lock you in. That's what they're good at. And they make the game really ugly. And, and Randy Bennett is a, a great coach. He's had great success. But I, I don't think they have the playmakers and the people that can make baskets when teams play also play solid defense. And BYU is really solid defensively. <clears throat> you know, one of the things I sat there and I – when I coached, and we all went through times where you go three or four or five minutes, I, I was a little surprised to watch St. Mary's go 10 minutes and not make any real significant adjustments. I mean, throughout the year, you have quick hitters, you have ISOs, you have things in your pocket that you use. And you save a lot of those for conference play. But it, it was like they just continued to do the same thing. And, and, and college basketball today is about handoffs. It's about uh, – it's about ball screens and slips. It's uh, you know, back cuts. I mean, you watch college basketball, and probably 75% of them are all playing the same way. And, and that's fine because there, there are some real positives to that. And when you have guys that can bounce it and penetrate and get where they need to get, you, you, you score. But it, it, I was just surprised that the adjustments offensively were just not there. It was like, Time out. You know, let's let's run a couple of quick hitters. Let's isolate somebody. Let's get something done. Where we over, you know overload the side of the floor. It just never happened. And I mean, I, I I've been in games. Trust me, where I coached and we couldn't score for five or six minutes. But I was just surprised that there were no real adjustments there. And we're talking about Randy Bennett. I consider one of the best college basketball coaches in the country. He, he, his record speaks for itself and how they play. They make the game pretty ugly. And difficult to play. They're tough-minded, but to go ten and twelve minutes in this day and age—that just seemed really hard for me to believe that there isn't something that you do. I mean, most coaches will have, you know, quick hitters and isos out of timeouts, dead balls, uh, where you know you can you can do something, get to the free throw line. That's the whole thing. Get to the free throw line. Quit shooting threes. Get to the free throw line. But I, I, I mean, I watch that game. I've been in grind-out games like that. Mark Pope, I know his comments. Uh, uh, after the game and before the game where it's really hard to play against these guys. They just really muddy the game up. But I I just thought I would see more adjustments. 10 and 12-minute 
time periods of not scoring, uh, that that's hard to watch. <laughs> hard to watch. And it's, I know it's all about who has one more point than the other team. But uh, well, we shall see. I, I think BYU, going back to uh, to them and, and the NCAA tournament, I think they have the pedigree right now. I think it, I think the the experts have them in the tournament, and uh, but they're not they're not going to be able to have slip ups. I mean, they they can't lose the teams that that they're not supposed to lose to. And going on the road in the WCC for BYU and for everybody sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge. And so it, it'll be interesting. I, I do believe if they can finish second in this conference, even finish third, that there's going to be at least three teams go. But whether there's going to be four teams, I don't know. But San Francisco has put themselves in a position right now. If San Francisco beats BYU at home, then, you know, you're, you're, you're in a situation where you've got to beat them at home. And so uh, I think they're still in. I, I, I like where they're at in terms of, the, of their body of work, but they, they can't have – two or three losses to teams they shouldn't have to and, and then get into the tournament. So it, that, that staff seems to really prepare well defensively. I don't see that happening. But this is a tough week for BYU. I mean, they go to Zags, go to San Francisco. We're going to find out uh, how they respond to that. And I, I would imagine that obviously they'll be prepared. But those will be two tough tasks. Steve Cleveland, he's our basketball insider, brought to you by Mountainland Supply every week here on The Zone. Steve, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, you guys. Take care. There is Steve Cleveland. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and BK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jazz in transition. Royce, transition three, front rimmed it. Mike Conley runs it down, underhand scoop to Don. High arcing three is perfect. Lyles has it, throws away the outlet pass, picked up by the Jazz. Three on one, Clarkson, left corner three, pow! Dave Cunningham with the basketball in between the circles. Off the hesitation, slips it up and in, counted, and a foul on O'Neal. Cunningham with the basketball again with Cade against Bogdanovich. Steps back on him and hits a three. Highlights is the Utah Jazz build a 22-point lead and then get beat by 10. A horrific second half. It really started going wrong midway through the second quarter. The Jazz ended the first half poorly. They missed Rudy Gobert. They should have defended better than that even without him. A 78-point second half sinks the Jazz 126 to 116. Three in a row on the road, PK. This trip started so well. Yeah, that was brutal. That was an embarrassment. Detroit sucks, and you got you got beat. I mean, by one point, it would have been awful, but you basically got blown out in the second half. Yep. 31 points from Donovan Mitchell. You barely noticed because Detroit was scoring on every time down. The Jazz just couldn't uh, couldn't get a run together. The run they got together was when Trey Lyles was guarding Hassan Whiteside in the first half. That was a mismatch. What a size disadvantage there. Huge size disadvantage. But the Jazz didn't really capitalize on that in the second half, and they ended up getting beat. Jazz are off today. They return home to take on Cleveland tomorrow night. Then they're off until the weekend with the Nuggets. 
Buller did mention during the broadcast that Joe was starting to work his way back, whether that means Wednesday or Sunday, I don't know, but I, I'd be surprised if it was after that, the way Buller brought it up, but that's just reading between the oh, lines. I think he's playing tomorrow. Think he's ready for Cleveland? He's Joe. Yeah. He go. Joe go. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Now it's Giannis who will take the pass into the front court. Flips it out top to Middleton again. Inside to Giannis. Giannis underneath the defense. Lays it in up close as it swivels around the rim and drops. Jalen Brown put three right side is good. Schroeder found him. And Brissett just claps his hands together because he just got there a half second too late. And Indiana finally gets the lead and it lasts for eight seconds. Randall, he's open. Take the three. Works it so quickly. Open. Passing on the three. To the corner now. Barrett, his three is good. Nick's had a couple of good looks, but it's Barrett who trains it from the corner. Ball. Dribbles right. In the lane. Off balance shot. Is good from inside the honeycomb. LaMelo Ball was facing the sideline and he still knocks down the jumper. Highlights from around the NBA, the Jazz and the Cavs on Wednesday. The Cavaliers beat the Kings last night, 109-108. Double-doubles for Jared Allen and Darius Garland. Allen with 18 points and 17 rebounds. Although J.B. Bickerstaff, you love hearing the name Bickerstaff, don't you, PK? J.B. Bickerstaff upset that the Cavs had 17 turnovers and allowed 15 offensive rebounds. That sounds like the Jazz on the nights they struggle. Too many turnovers, too many offensive rebounds, too many possessions for the other guys. Sure, yeah. But they got the win. And now both teams will be off tonight and at it on Wednesday night. Bucks lost to the Hornets, 103-99. Defending champs getting beat by uh, getting beat by Charlotte there. And the Blazers took down the Nets, 114-108. Anthony Simons, 23 points and 11 assists for Portland in that one. Did you know that Chauncey Billup called Kyrie Irving the most skilled point guard in history? I did. Not the best. He went with the most skilled. He was. That's basically Billup's version of Bowler Jack going best pure point guard. Yeah, I don't think that's restricted to Bowler Jack. I mean, I think that was the way to get Magic uh, reduced and put Stockton there by putting in the word pure. I just didn't see that, man. What's the definition of skilled? I mean, nobody cares that Brooklyn lost to Portland. The story is that Billups thinks Kyrie Irving is the most skilled point guard in history. He's just saying that. Like Locke saying, oh, Toronto is the worst matchup ever because they're the next one. And we're the Nets. We're the, the Nets were the next team. He's just trying to build him up. The most skilled point guard? That's uh, as plausible. That's a travesty. That's as plausible an explanation as anything. I will not stand for that. The most skilled point guard? Get out of town. (laughs) Magic, magic, and magic. Go to the outskirts. You do not belong in the city anymore. Shunned. Shun him now. The shunning begins. The shunnation? Yes. Who would you put in your top five most skilled point guards? Magic. Is Oscar. he the most skilled? Most skilled? Yes. Why? What was his skill level that superseded everyone else? 
Handled the ball, great passer, and partly because he was tall and he saw over the top of everybody. But it wasn't just that. What was it? Give, we, we got time? <laughs> I mean, we're just going to read a bunch of box scores. Who gives he a rip? Pass. He, the Celtics beat the Pacers. Nobody cares. Well, actually, I was about to end the NBA and get out of the <laughs> NFL, which is what everyone's caring about because the playoffs are about to start. For all the reasons we've talked about for 30 years, I mean, the guy hit huge shots. He deferred to other people, but whatever you needed. If he needed to get to the hoop and get a bucket, he got to the hoop and get a bucket. If he needed to hit big free throws, he hit big free throws. If you needed him to hit a three, he hit a three. If you needed him to get somebody else an easy basket, he got somebody else an easy basket. Whatever you needed to do to win, Magic just kept delivering it over and over. So he he was the mailman? And he did it. No. He said delivered. I know, that's true. And not once did you mention anything about defense. I don't ever want to hear defense out of your mouth again. They you, I know you went through. I let you have the whole time, and you didn't mention defense. Well, skilled point guard just doesn't include one end, buddy. No defense whatsoever. I never, ever want to hear you mention defense again, you two-faced hypocrite. Hence the pure point guard debate, because Magic often did not defend point guards. It's they too late. Make, they'd it's make too Cooper late. do it, or they would make uh, Byron Scott do it. Okay, that's that's an historical fact. That doesn't yeah. acknowledge the most skilled point guard. Well, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how he defended other point guards when he didn't do it. Uh, oh, but that's that's part of it. So then he has a, a zero You're on the defensive end. you and you agree. Most skilled no, you're big on defense. I blow off defense. I don't care about defense. You do. But I never want to hear it again. Never, ever, ever. We do the show another 25 more years. I don't ever want to hear it. Well, you're going to hear it in the next segment or two. I ain't going to so pay attention. Later this time. Ah! Want to rock and roll all day. Okay. That's night. You party in the day. You rock and roll at night. You party in the day. Well, get it right. Sometimes. Get it uh, right. You know, I went to UC Santa Barbara. So, so you rock and roll in the night and day? Yeah, exactly. Well, when do you party? Well, both. It just depends. It's just <laughs> opposite, but on any given day, you flip a coin. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Should we party or rock and roll? So we get a coin out and flip it. Well, at 2 o'clock, we were at intramurals. Who are we kidding? Intramurals? Man, I was sleeping off the night before. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I love Jim Harbaugh. I had the opportunity once before to come to the, to the uh, Miami Dolphins, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. And I guess that's really, that is my school I graduated from, and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh to the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He is a great coach. As Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, so cross Harbaugh off the list there. I'd be furious if I was a Dolphins fan. <laughs> you're like, why not Harbaugh? He took a team. To I the mean, Super I don't Bowl. care if you hire Harbaugh, but what you're telling me is that Michigan is more important than Miami Dolphins because you went there. That's what. That's the message I take. I have no idea if Jim Harbaugh would succeed there. Nick Saban, the greatest college coach of all time, couldn't succeed there. So why would I assume Jim Harbaugh? See, but you're telling me your actions show. Where are you? You know, when people have multiple jobs, where are they? Because then you know where their priority is, wherever they are. Especially when they got a conflict. And here, you got a conflict, so you're telling me your priority is your alma mater? I'd be furious if I was a Miami Dolphins fan. Fortunately, you're not. Bull crap. I've loved Earl Morrill for years. Nice. 50 years ago, but nice. Hence for years. 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians stumping for Tom Brady to be the NFL MVP, telling reporters, I think if he doesn't get it, it's a travesty. Most completions ever, 5,000 yards, touchdowns, a whole nine yards. To me, it's not even a close race. He only got nine yards? The whole nine yards is an expression. Oh. Did you know out of left field? It's also great on third and eight. I learned... Or second and eight, for that matter. Any fourth and eight, first and eight. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Fourth and eight. Chargers, Raiders. Come yeah. On. Did you know out of left field, I heard that expression came. There was a mental hospital outside of Wrigley back in the day in left field. No idea. And that's They're... where they said, yeah, were you coming out of left field? I had no that's idea. politically correct today. Incorrect. So you can't say no, that. Not at all. Yeah. But nonetheless, that's the history. Yeah. I did not know that. That's I where it began. Never heard that. So if you ever see somebody says, oh, that was that so left field. Those people sit on the rooftops and it's homes now, but back what, in the day. What up, homes? Was it immediately across the street or was it like, you know, a quarter mile down there? I don't freaking know. <laughs> Carolina Panthers GM Scott Fitter told reporters franchise has no intention at all of trading all pro running back Christian McCaffrey despite his repeated injury spells that have marked his career to this Just point. because nobody would want him. Only get only get fifty cents on the dollar for him right now. Seahawks backup quarterback Geno Smith arrested on suspicion of DUI. Slated to be an unrestricted free agent. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Goal to go for the dogs. Break the huddle quickly. I formation. Bennett going to hand it off to Zamir. He drives in behind those big, massive bodies. Touchdown, Georgia. The dogs take the lead. Here's Bryce rolling right. Looks, throws. Touchdown, Alabama. At the goal line, Cameron Latu. Man in motion to the near side. Then they reverse it with Billingsley. Back to the right. Snap to Young. Drops back. Pressure from the edges. He throws near sideline. And it's intercepted. Intercepted. Keely Ringo at the 21. Off he goes. 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Near sideline. Breaks a tackle. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Georgia. Let the celebration begin. We had to lose a national championship. I'd rather lose one to one of the former assistants who sort of did a great job for us and has done a great job with his program and his team. And uh, if any team deserves, they deserve it. They played great all year. Uh, We were the only team to beat them in the SEC championship game. There's the sound, Nick Saban, and the highlights before that as Georgia beats Alabama in the rematch. And Georgia is the national champs for the first time in 41 years. Had Vince Dooley at the game and shot to him. And a heck of a fourth quarter after a snoozer of a first half, PK. Vince Dooley, huh? Yeah, there he was. That resonated with you. Why'd you bring that up? Because Georgia wins the title for the first time in 41 years and he's a coach. Vince Dooley? But you didn't bring up Herschel Walker. He was the star running back. Yeah, you're right, I didn't. I know. Should have brought up Herschel Walker. Who was more important to that team? Vince Dooley or Herschel Walker? Vince Dooley, because he got Herschel Walker. How do you know? How do you know it wasn't uh, we give Dennis Erickson all the credit for getting Tyler Huntley? We don't give it to Kyle Whittingham. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But we give Kyle full credit for everything. So. <laughs> no, we just give him the cash. <laughs> <laughs> Ka-ching! Yeah, brother. Kylie, or Kaylee Ringo? He was the star. Because? I just want to say Ringo and the star. I was going to say, get with it. Take a drink of water. Think about what I just said. So, 
it's interesting to note that Kylie Ringo. So you have Bryce Young, who grew up in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. He went to school at Modern Day, which is not exactly right down the street. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but uh, my man Kylie Ringo, uh, he's from the Phoenix area. Another one got away. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> yeah. It's coached by Jason Munns, who I believe had a big-time connection to ASU. But it don't matter. He's out. That's what uh, George Klyavkov was talking about. Got to keep our kids home. West Coast kids going to Alabama and going to Georgia. And going to Florida and LSU and Oklahoma and Ohio State. Yeah. He's a five-star prospect. The number four overall prospect nationally. Stetson Bennett, the fourth. 17 of 26. 224 yards. Two fourth-quarter touchdown passes. Former walk-on and went to a JC. Preferred walk-on. Preferred walk-on. Went to a JC. Came back. Worked his way up from third on the depth chart. Wins the national championship at his dream school. Will that convince anyone to stay at their dream school and stick it out? Or He told Mommy and Daddy in the second grade, I think. I'm going to do that. What a story. He was crying. He was sobbing on the sidelines. I felt so bad. Started as soon as the interception happened. Didn't even see the return to the end zone. No. Why well, had tears in his eyes? How can you see that? You know, you got to wipe away the tears. A preferred walk-on. I went to ASU. I was an unpreferred walk-on. Hmm. Quarterback moves, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Will return for one more year at UCLA, super senior. Former Washington State quarterback Jaden DeLora announced he will play for Arizona. FCS star Cameron Ward will replace DeLora in Pullman, joining his former head coach Eric Morris at Wazoo after Morris left the University of Incarnate Word to become the Cougars' offensive coordinator. Put up all kinds of stats there. Heavily pursued quarterback, apparently. Who wins in that uh, free agent transfer trade? I don't know about the other guy, but I think Delore is he is a gunslinger. You know, he can win you games. And so for what Arizona's looking for, I think that's a major boost to their program. They've got I've got to give it to them. They got some big time momentum going on. Uh, I think they're gonna be much tougher. Uh, DTR, that just means the NFL doesn't want you at all. I mean, he's a heck of an athlete, but he's a, a big-time quarterback. No. Uh, remains to be seen. Well, I'm not going to rule not it out. Yet. This, yeah. He takes a major step forward with one more year. Maybe. We're not expecting it. Yeah, uh, but the, the Bruins did win eight games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... From where they were, and that's a, that's a step forward. And he missed at least one game. He didn't play against the Utes, right? Uh, Garbers' brother played. Correct. So uh, I think that's good news for their program. College football playoff apparently is going to stay status quo. It was a four-team event. Another round of meetings, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said the 10 FBS commissioners voted but did not get close to unanimity. Got to be unanimous to rework the existing Is it unanimity contract. or unanimity? Don't look at me, DJ. I thought it was unanimity, but it could be unanimity. 
The point is they couldn't all agree, so it ain't changing. Yeah, because the SEC doesn't want it. Why should they? They've got a monopoly. Well, I don't think it was the SEC. He said we didn't. Well, it wasn't just the SEC. We didn't even get close. Yeah, because the SEC doesn't want it. One word. Yeah, it's one vote. But other leagues leagues have their other hang-ups. What do you mean it's one vote? How do you know there's just one vote there? Did you look at this? There's an 11-member committee. Did you go and break it down? No, but I trust him when he says it didn't get close. And I've read different people. Because the SEC don't want it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pac-12 put out a statement that basically said, well, we're good with everything. Right, because they want it. We'd go to 8. We'd go to 12. Because they're desperate. Yeah. So they're only one vote. So you got they're desperate over here, and you got over there on the other side. Why do we want to change and risk losing? We can get two of the uh, four teams in every year. We're great. Why why they change are, something that's they are, working? They are good, but they'll get three of the twelve, so they'll be great with that too. Yeah, but the more games, the more risk you have an opportunity of losing, and the more money you'll make along the way. I don't think they think they're going to lose quarterfinals. Then why wouldn't they do it then? Okay, since you obviously just debuked my theory, debunked it, why wouldn't you do it? Well, there's other leagues holding out for other things. The American is sitting there saying, we're not going to do the five. Well, actually, the American so the Mountain can go West. straight to hell. <laughs> Nobody cares about them. It can change and no one will care about them after 12, but right now everybody's got veto power. Then form your, what do you mean? Who anointed them to give veto power? When they signed the contract, they said it had to be a unanimous vote. What contract? This was just something that came together here in the last few months. There was this is the a contract legal form that started the twelve-year deal. Yes. And the America West and the America East and the America Central has all... just as much authority and say as the SEC. What a dumb contract to enter into. <laughs> Contract they entered into so that they wouldn't get sued. Here, you can have a spot, but sign the deal. You're not suing us. This is how it's this is how it's happening for the next I'll 12 years. Sue all you want. Big Finally, P Top 25 poll is out. Utah, number 12. BYU, number 19. Utah State, number 24. All three teams ranked. A combined 31 wins. The best of times for local college football. Sure, if that matters to you. I mean, but if you don't get in the playoff, I mean, I've been told that's what that's where it's at. And the way too early thing, I saw you put out a thing that's fifth. How come we never have, like, the partial too early? It's always the way, way too, too early. early. Like in, in August, isn't it the partial too early? Because still got transfer and you still got a signing day. And you okay, still got fine. I don't know. season injuries. That's not the point. And so I think the people who put it out put it out as a way too early. Like, yeah, I know it's way too early, but it's fine. Let's do right. it. Right. That's not the point. The point is after that... Like in June, have a, you know, um, partially partial too early. Let's create it, PK. And then, you know, in July, uh, not quite as late, but somewhat still too early. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's you always the way point, too yes. early in January. But I, I want updates as we go. I think they actually do put out updates as But they, they never call it that. They don't make as big a splash. Because this is like the day after and we're still in football Mid-season, off-season, <laughs> yeah. partial poll. You know Spring what I mean? Spring football-ish, partial update. And then in August. And it, it's not, it's just the too early. At, at August, you just need the too early. You don't need to way too early. With Sports Illustrated's way too early that caught my eye. They had Utah at number five for next year. You want a better one? Sure. What do you got? The athletic, number four. Ooh. 
Well, we need to have the zone. Though. We need to DJ. No, well, we, let, let's have our own. And then we have a kiss our station, we just no, no, we do our own. Oh, we do our own. Yeah, this is this is the way this works. But DJ and PK yeah, version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? Let's put it out there. A hundred days before the kickoff, we'll do the top one hundred at one hundred. Oh hell no! <laughs> if you're gonna do that, just do the one thirty. All the by the time I get to seventy five. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we got a 40-day head, head start on uh, Scotty G and Hans. And I want our own pickleball tournament. Yeah, I actually saw a pickleball tournament on TV. Yeah. In one of the it's a raging sport. If I you didn't blow out your knee in 1964, you could play. It's a great sport. If you can't play yeah. tennis, buddy, you can't play pickleball. I'm sorry. I can't play ma- tennis. I you don't. made it's the different. rules. Your oh, because your friend died, right? Is that what it was? No. <laughs> Why don't you play tennis? You told, told me you. somebody left the community. Something right. happened. Yeah, the person I played tennis with left. So okay. I don't play tennis. <laughs> you don't play tennis, but you tell me you can play tennis. I could. Yeah. I don't want to, but I could. <laughs> I'm not any good at it. Well, then pickleball's easier. Yeah, that court looked tiny. It's uh, way more fun. Yeah. So we need. Uh, I heard Rick Barry on on the uh, some show, some national show on my uh-huh. satellite radio. And he tends to brag about himself. Just want you to know, won the 77-year-old, 75-and-up division, national champion in pickleball. (laughs) (laughs) It was doubles when I was channel surfing through. Doubles, and they were they were somewhere cool, the Bahamas maybe or something. I can't remember. They were they were somewhere good. Just don't stay. You got to get out of the kitchen. You can't. Your feet can't be in the kitchen. What's the kitchen? The kitchen is the line between the net and where you're allowed to stand. Oh, so you can't go like in tennis. I'll go to the net. You can't go right to it. Oh, okay. I guess you could, but you can't hit it. So then you'd have to go back. Yeah. So if your momentum carries you up there, that's fine. But yeah, but you, you can't hit it in there. Right. And you can't, you know, Breaking? on the serve, you have to make it, it has to bounce once and go. I'm telling you, we need to When's have our last time you play pickleball? Uh, last month. My wife's friend is an absolute freak, plays in multiple leagues. Mm-hmm. Anytime we get together, we got to freaking play pickleball. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. I played it in, uh, I was in Nevada last month and we played it because they were there too. So we uh, played at uh, a new park in Vegas, and they must have had 25 courts, and every one of them was packed on a Saturday morning. Hmm. Let's say, Yak, let's get that. Our own pickleball. I have yet to play. I've been looking forward to giving it a shot, so let's do it. We'll get a sold-out crowd. <laughs> That'd be awesome. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. PK was on it yesterday. Not one, not two, three questions of the day. What are you, LeBron James? A little bit, yeah. We will get to those next. Tim LaCombe will be here at 8 o'clock to talk Utah Jazz. Tim Brando here at 9 o'clock. College football and basketball broadcaster for Fox Sports. Put a bow on the college football season and look ahead. Tim's coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klyukov said. I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and, and call it what it is and say what it is, 
you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a Band-Aid on it and say, no, we're, we're in a good spot. We'll just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us, you know, it's a building year, you know, but, but man, next year things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res's patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376. 801-288-0 or book online at zeroresaltlake.com. If you're up north, it's zeroresdavisweaver.com. Question of the day. It's a three-parter. We got topics. A couple of them college football, one of them NBA and Jazz. We're going to start with the one that got the most comments overnight, more than 40 of them. Why should Jackson Dart choose either BYU or Utah? Put on the gear of your favorite school, be the assistant coach, and give the pitch. Oh, they got everything you want. You want to go to the NFL? We can get you the NFL. We got multiple. We got quarterbacks in the NFL from both schools as we speak. Look at last weekend. Look at the guys, the local ties we're playing. Yeah. So, and that's a dream. And uh, who knows? Maybe it's uh, more than a dream. Maybe it's uh, quite a reality. Remains to be seen. Still a long way to go in the young fellow's uh, progression. But you know, we look good at times, especially when you uh, grade him on the curve for a freshman and all that stuff. Obviously, at uh, Corner Canyon, looked awesome. So, you can do that. You'd be a hometown hero. NIL, locally. If you win here, then you never have to buy a beer. Somebody always buy it for you? No, that's metaphoric. It could be hot chocolate, whatever. You get the point. Tires. Cars. You can get hired, yeah. Vacations. Yeah. So you got that going on? Cabins. Houseboats at Lake Powell. I hate Lake Powell. I know. That's I wish they'd drain it. And proven offensive coordinators, veteran guys that can't guarantee anything there either, but looks like they would be there during your duration. I mean, Ludwig's getting up there been doing it for a number of years, 30-some years. Maybe he might leave. Seems like he's settled in, especially since both coach, both coordinators, the head coach has a defensive background, which probably means you have more freedom or you have all the freedom you want. Now, I know that Aaron Roderick recruited Dart heavily at BYU. <clears throat> Everybody's aware now you got to maintain those relationships because so many quarterbacks are transferring. Yeah, who would have thought in. SC is going to their their top two guys are going to leave? I know. Would you go to USC because Slovis is really entrenched there? Turns out the coach gets fired and both quarterbacks are taken off because yeah. the new coach is apparently bringing in his favorite from his old school. Yeah, that's the way it looks. You would think that would be the next logical announcement. That uh, what was his name Williams. Mm-hmm. That he would uh, go there, 
once said Dart put his name in there. There's also the other kid, uh, Miller, said he's going to stay as long as he gets a fair shot. So haven't heard anything on that. And I know they recruited uh, uh, another kid out of uh, Southern California. He's going to go there. So they'll probably be fine there. But nevertheless, the position is open. That's a surprise. So what should Dart do? Hmm. Got a lot of suggestions here. Now the question was, why should Jackson choose either BYU or Utah? It was basically inviting fans to be the assistant coach who's got to recruit them and make the pitch, as you just did to open this segment. But that's not how most people took it. Jeremy, he shouldn't choose Utah. They have Cam. He's a great QB. (laughs) That was not why he should choose. That was why he shouldn't choose. But he's not alone. Chris, no room at Utah. Cam is our guy. Parker, he shouldn't go to either school. Jaron Hall and Conover would transfer from BYU if that were the case. Cam Rising, Jaquin and Jackson, others would transfer out of Utah. Well, then he should go there. Because if they're both going to transfer, then the position is wide open. At both schools. And you would think the coaches would have the finger on the pulse of, well, how are the other guys going to react? How are they going to leap? Well, then what is, who's the better quarterback? This guy. Well, then take this guy if he's a better quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're paid to win games. And then the, you know. We just saw this at Washington State. And it's what we're seeing at USC. This is why Dart's out there. We think we got a better quarterback. He transfers in. If we lose the guy who's here, so be it. That's what it boils down to. Right. And it just did at Washington State with Delora. And it just did at USC with Dart. And with Slovis. Logan says, as Utah has learned, it never hurts to have two good quarterbacks because QB1 is always one hit from going down. Either school would be happy to have Dart, and he's okay with being a backup. Why, why would as, he assume he'd be the Initially, backup? as he was a backup at USC. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that that's apples and oranges <laughs> right there. Slovis was the entrenched starter, and he was a true freshman. Okay, but now he's played and he's looked good. You would think he wants a situation where he's going to a start, B commit to or compete to start. So talking about, well, he's going to compete wherever he goes. Well, some places he might be a shoe in. The cupboard might be bare. But there's still competition. It's not the, the cupboard. It might be there, no place is the cupboard the, bare. Out of out of scholarship quarterbacks. But, every place there'll be competition. Some will be more competition than others. Some don't have a returning starter. Some do, but so what? Adam says, nobody wants to be the backup anymore. All this talk of team and next man up, except when I'm not on film, how do I go pro if I'm not the starter? The transfer portal's a mistake. It needs to stop. It's not stopping. Why is it a mistake? Uh, I think Adam thinks too many people are transferring, but I don't know. He doesn't spell it out. Yeah, but it's not his kid who isn't getting what he believes is a fair shake. Well, there's that. <laughs> they need to be all all for it. I wouldn't assume that Dart is going to come in and back up anybody just because somebody else started. I'm with you. I would not assume that. And coaches are paid to win, so they're going to go with the best quarterback. Yeah. Dart comes in and lights it up, then Dart starts. And that doesn't matter what school we're talking about. Yeah. 
I mean, Delora can go to Arizona, but if Dart goes to Arizona and Dart beats out Delora, Delora's the backup. Yes. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't have any I, I know, idea if he you. has any interest in going you, you to Arizona. Made a point. Yeah. That's exactly it, true. It doesn't matter. If he goes to UCLA and DTR is coming back for the super senior year, if he beats him out, Dart starts and DTR is the backup for a super senior year. And I like year. that. Dart starts. Kind of rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Problem with BYU is if he went there now, he couldn't participate in spring ball because the earliest they can get him in school is April. What I've been told. So I don't know if that matters to him. Does it matter to them? They would take him in April. Yeah, right. But that's not. <laughs> that's what I thought the answer was. That, that that's that's not up to them. Yeah, they take him in August. I mean, name your time you want to come here. We'll take you. And if we had to cut somebody, we'll cut somebody. So is that because BYU already started the semester? Yeah, whatever their academic yeah. rules are. Yeah. So, uh, so Dart's got to decide quickly because lots of schools here will be in the same situation over the next week or so. Yeah, but I think they usually do decide quickly. Or the, how you decide whatever your time frame is. And the better you are, the more time you have. I mean, that's the way of the world. Eldon says, Utah State, the scheme is there. Players are getting there through the transfer portal. The coaching staff is there. The conference championship is there. The only thing lacking is sexiness. Kids want to be sexy and win nowadays. So I don't think he wants to go to group of five. Jackson Dart's too big. He wants the power five. The glitz and the glam. Well, he doesn't have to go there. No, he doesn't. I wouldn't think. Which is exactly what Jordan says. Why would a quarterback like Dart choose a G5 team when he's got the entire P5 to choose from? And Eldon admits, yeah, sure, I wouldn't disagree with that. (laughs) Eldon's a fan. He just wants him there. He knows it's not likely to happen. No, I can argue there's more competition at Utah State than there is at the other places. I mean, if he he wanted to go to BYU, you know you're going to play because the reality of Jaron Hall starting 13 games is pretty slim. Unfortunately, sure, but is that uh, is that enough? Is what enough? Playing the three games he doesn't start, or oh, does he think he would win and seize the good. job? I think he thinks yeah, he's going he to start seize wherever the he job. goes. Yeah. Game one, or when there's an injury. Game one. Well, I mean that's his mindset. I would think that I'll go wherever I go and be ready to go. So go go. Whichever school he chooses. I mean, I've even heard Oregon, and they got Knicks from him, so what? Yeah, he would definitely think he can beat out Knicks. The only people that are loyal are the fans. Everybody else is, and Stetson Bennett the fourth. (laughs) Good for him. Uh there's always going to be exceptions. But everybody else is basically, that's every man for himself. Family on three, but I'm going to, get, I'm going to extend the family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go play with the cousins over there. Yeah, family on three, great. Um, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. It means, you, yeah, we'll treat you like we got a good football family, as long as you can produce for us. But if you're not good enough, we're going to get somebody in here who is better. 
I mean, Charlie Brewer, family on three. Whoop. I'm out. <laughs> All of a sudden, we got irreconcilable differences. You suck. That was the big difference. Where's that? What What did family on three mean to to, to Charlie Bree? About the same thing it meant to Tuttle. I'm out. Yeah. And who's the other kid? Costelli. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Ex family on three. <laughs> Only on that, no. Charlie Brewer is ex family on one. <laughs> he didn't even get to three. You're starting him? I'm out. Gone. Goodbye. Ex family on one. So it's all a bunch of hokey sayings. It's all proven around winning. And I know they'll probably think, Scally's probably listening, if he knows he's already at the football office, but he would think, oh, no, no, we're family. Yeah, yeah. But if you found somebody better, if you've got, if uh, Keeley Starr, Keeley Ringo, wanted to come play cornerback for Utah, and he's better than Clark Phillips, and you got somebody on the other side who's better than Clark Phillips, <clears throat> sorry, Clark. You got a heck of a secondary. <laughs> now you're yeah, we'll on. move you around a little bit, but we're going with the best players. That is what they say all the time. They yeah. come on the air and tell us we play the best guys. Yeah, get the best eleven on the field, and that's the way it has to be. Because it's a cold, cold-hearted world out there, and they'll run you in a second. I mean, Kalani's got it going on. Two nice seasons, uh, two bad seasons, and look where we're at. If it should come to that. Which isn't necessarily out of the realm, having to make the transition into the Big 12. So they need as much talent as they could possibly get. Well, you definitely need to be too deep. Sometimes you need to be three deep. And we just saw injuries all over the BYU defense. Utah's recently as the previous year, Cam was the guy until his shoulder was jacked up and he was out. Well, I mean, they played a running back, a cornerback. Yeah. That tells you how deep you need to be. <laughs> we always need one more player. Yeah. So the, the, that sums it up right there. The, the guy, didn't he start at cornerback, uh, running back in the first game against Weber? Have to go back. Wasn't Bernard? Wasn't he the start? Because he was the returner. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. And there he is playing in the biggest game of his life. He's playing a position he hadn't played in years. And he didn't play this season. So you want depth? Yeah, you got to have it. You got to have it big time. I mean, the leading receiver for Alabama goes out during the game last night. Game still goes on. They ain't stopping it. Nope. Next man up. Yeah. If you're not good enough, well, George is happy about that. You know, that's the great thing about the transfer rule in the NIL and all this stuff is it's bring the light the fact that college football for years now has been a big business. And what can you grab from it? And if you don't grab from it, somebody else is going to come along and grabs. What can you do to make that benefit you? That's the reality. And I have zero problem of it. It's dog-eat-dog. You want to go to this school? That sounds good now. They make a change. They're bringing in this guy. Okay, I'm out. What? And that's the way you need to have that mentality. Screw family on three. What's in it for me on three? <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of the situation. What can you do to make that benefit you the most? That's where we're at. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what went wrong with the Utah Jazz? We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. 
David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Lendright Mortgage will be live with DJ and PK Wednesday morning to help you get the lowest rates on your new mortgage or refinance. Listen Wednesday morning and visit lendrightmortgage.com for more information. All right. Question of the day, part two, the Utah Jazz. Beaten by the Detroit Pistons. How pathetic was the Jazz loss to the Pistons? Anthony says the defense was so awful, exclamation point. Adam says pathetic loss. How many games this season they've given up a double-digit lead and then lost by double digits? It was a joke. 32-point swing in the game last night in Detroit. Man. Up 22 in the second quarter, beaten by 10. I thought it was over. I thought, sweet, I'll be able to focus more on the national championship game. But no, I had to go back locked down. Cade Cunningham. Remember that name. Okay. (laughs) I will. Detroit hitting threes from everywhere. Corner threes. Wing threes. Top of the key straight away. Tony, that was embarrassing. Giving up 76 points in the second half to an eight-win team. It was 78, but no way to spin this one. Jazz have four losses to the bottom three teams in the East. If Gobert is ever out for any extended period of time, kiss this team goodbye. Sayonara. Steven says, well, we were down a few key players. Jazz seem unmotivated, not sure what's happened in the locker room, but it needs to be fixed, and these guys need to start having fun again. Well, winning is fun. It's hard to have fun when you're losing. Does the fun make the winning, or does the winning make the fun? I mean, it's hard to have fun when you're losing, for sure, unless you look over your bank account. Yep. I mean, they get paid the same, win or lose. Uh, They get paid extraordinary amounts of money. Uh, but sure, winning is more fun. There's no doubt about it, and they haven't won. They've lost three games in a row. The teams that are Indiana was ten games under five hundred. Toronto, well, that's an excusable situation there. Although by their own choosing, I mean they chose not to bring a bunch of their guys, presumably so they'd have their guys and could win the games in Indiana and Detroit, which they then didn't win. Yeah, I just don't know. I think COVID, and they didn't want them to go through the country and worry about all that crap. Uh, and that's fine. That's one time a year. Uh, one loss in the regular season is not going to determine your success in the playoffs. If it does, they weren't that good in the first place anyway. Uh, so you got that going on there. But then you lose to Detroit, which is just absolutely awful. I mean, guy, guys, I mean, watching this team, like, who are them? I don't even know who you are. All these guys. Never even heard of you. I used to be hardcore Detroit Pistons fan. My mother-in-law, her second marriage was uh, during the Pistons run. She grew up in Detroit. So all these people were from Detroit. And she had the wedding at the Arizona Club. 
in uh, Phoenix. And so the, the finals were on. And all these folks were around the television. Because you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you got these siblings and whatnot. They're all, and that's where they're mm -hmm. from. That's where she grew up. Right? So they were Pistons fans, obviously. And, and of course, everybody knew the team back then, the bad boys. Uh, but it was fun to be around. It's always fun for me to be around people who are way into it. And you watch them and see their, I enjoy that. You know, her, her grandson went to Michigan State and they were here one year when Michigan State was playing in a bowl game and he was just just living and dying and they got down big and then they came back and it was a big uh, big comeback and they won the game he was so excited uh, and he was debating should he go up to Snowbird because his brother was there <laughs> you know and so well, should I go now and I came and said well I'll take you any time you know but we got time because it, it doesn't take that long it's not you don't have to drive two hours you know I'll get you up there. You'll be ready to go in a half hour. So he wanted to go because they were getting, now nah, let's go. Now nah, let's wait one more possession. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So it's always fun to be around people who are way into it. Uh, but these Pistons, man, I, I, I'm in a new Cunningham because I saw him at Oklahoma State. And he went there. I think his brother was on the staff. Uh, and he was going to be a one and doneer, obviously. And that's exactly what happened. And he looked great. Uh, I was excited for him to see a nice young player. Um, but, man, the Jazz, you, you should have had enough to win that game, even with some of the guys out. And it was pretty clear they did until suddenly they didn't. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, up 22, we were all thinking the same thing. Get ready to focus on the football. This is getting out of hand. And then they reeled them right back in before halftime. And third quarter, Jazz were terrible in the third quarter. Oh, for sure. They got run off the floor. Yeah, you're right, because the 22-point lead whittled down as half as we got closer to halftime. And then the momentum that they gained, speaking of the Pistons, they carried it right into the second half. It was down to 14 at halftime, and they took the lead in the third quarter. There's no way I would have anticipated that. I would have anticipated a nice little blowout win, 3-2 on the trip, come home, get Joe back, see where Rudy's at, and... You know, get him back soon, and away you go. I got to give Donovan Mitchell credit, though, man. Win or lose, he's, he's saying the right things. He's, and he's still well, talking. he's willing to do it. Yeah, easier to hide than ever with Zoom. Yeah. So I got I got to give him credit for taking on a leadership role, on because you can be, uh, you know, as you say, a front runner when you win, sure, but he's there talking in real talk win or lose and I think that's great I think that really sets the tone you want that out of your best players it's a new year and time for a new you Davis Vision can help you ditch those glasses or contacts with LASIK schedule your free consultation today and save a thousand dollars call Robin today at 801-253-3080 or visit davisvisionmd.com and make sure you tell them the zone sent you coming up next more basketball Tim Lacombe jazz radio studio analyst joins us in five minutes, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's 97.5 at 
97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Bill Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy Bill Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at built.com and save 10% off your order using promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe. Worked for Rick Majerus at the U. Worked for Dave Rose at the Y. Now you hear him on jazz radio pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. Tim, good morning. Good morning, man. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Happy 2022 to you. Yeah, hey, just right back at you, man. Right back at you and your cohort. He's going to remain quiet. No, I'm not. Okay. I didn't know I was he, supposed to he speak. He always makes me guess if he's really there. <laughs> of course I'm really there. Where else would I be? I didn't know it was my turn to speak. I thought you might be at like an exotic location playing golf. Nice. No, I'm right here. So, it's a happy 2022 until you see your team give up 78 points in the second half. What does Quinn Snyder say? How does he react? Put yourself in his shoes. You know, it's man, I'm telling you, it's a really difficult one. Um, and I think the qualifying statement you make is the defense is built around Rudy Gobert. We've known that forever, but I, I think it's pretty blatantly obvious now that um, he really does hold just about everything together on the defensive side. Um, you know, we went into a big, in fact, I went somewhere last night prior to the game. I was invited into David Locke's laboratory. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew he had a lab, but he has a lab, has Bunsen burners and fax machines whirling and, um, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. David was driving down the canyon and he had a thought so he called me and I was just the conduit to kind of look up stats but this Detroit team if you if you take this Detroit team and you you put them against the rest of the league they are 10 points below league average in points per possession Um, and find anything similar you have to go back to when Charlotte was the Bobcats and um, when New Jersey, the Nets were still playing there in, in the Garden State instead of Brooklyn, um, you know, you have to go back a long way to find a team that has been as bad offensively as this Detroit Pistons team. And going into the game last night without Jeremy Grant, you'd think no matter what the Jazz do, they'll figure out a way to get this team stopped. And, um, I, I think, obviously, really, really big issues um, kind of stemmed, and they they lost the game. I didn't think they were capable of losing, to be honest with you. So you think it's a midseason lull, or it is an issue that it needs to be taken more seriously? I think there's all sorts of factors at play. Again, I mean, you know, the way that, the DJ just carried this show. If it were just, you know, you take him out of it and it's DJ and PK, but PK's the only one that shows up every day, you're going to suffer. Yeah, we have from time to time. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, though, it, it's the way the defense is built and the way that, you know, guys 
as Marcus Morris said eloquently earlier in the year, funnel everything to Gobert. I think I think what came to my mind as this was going on is, man, Marcus Morris was dead right. Your turn. Tim Lacombe joining us right here. I am curious if you believe that the Jazz are championship contenders or if you've seen the Warriors and the Suns and the Jazz are just going to do the best they can here, but those two teams, are they've pulled away. Well, I would have, a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought, you know, I would have answered that affirmatively yes, but I mean, even Donovan last night in the postgame talked about you know, the Jazz are kidding themselves if they want to put themselves in. You know, you don't just proclaim yourself a title contender. I mean, you do that on the floor. Um, I watched the Warriors the other night with Clay back, and, um, you know, he's, he's certainly got a little ways to go shape-wise. But, like, those guys play – those guys play on the defensive end as though they really do want to win a championship. Um and then, you know, the Suns have have had a, another really good year. I, I'm going to say the Jazz are capable of being in the equation, but their play as of late, and again, I understand they've had, like the rest of the league, they've had a ton of, of guys out um, and injuries. And then, like you said, PK, there is there is something to the midseason lull. I think there's every year you could go pick four or five games and just kind of shrug your shoulders. Uh, so this is one of them. Not not an overreaction, but just in terms of the team mindset on defense has just got to change. I mean, guys have to do more. And Donovan talked about it last night, guys 1 through 17. Um, you know, this isn't a we problem right now. This becomes an I problem. What can I do to help fix this? And, um, and you know, that's where we are. Do you think this lull or slump, whatever you want to say it is, is going to hasten the urgency to make a move? Um, my guess would be yes. Um, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of guys capable of making a basket on this team, which is awesome. There's a lot of guys, you know, more so than ever, guys that can can make a play for another guy, and that's really important. In fact. If you go watch that, rewatch that game, and, and David sent me a whole big long list of stats last night after rewatching it. Um, but you know, there were in relation to whether the way the Jazz play, there were you know crazy number of one and two and zero pass possessions coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter, where a guy just made his mind up: I'm going to drive it, and I'm either going to score it or I'm going to get fouled. And unfortunately, a lot of those ended up in turnovers. Um, it's just not jazz basketball. And and so, yeah, I mean, my thought looking on the outside looking in, I think you've got some pieces that um, kind of replicate themselves and perhaps you might want to diversify, you know, a couple of spots on your team and, and try to shore up the defensive side a little more. They have played a lot of guys we haven't seen much of. Do you think any of them – have you spotted any of them and said, this guy's an NBA guy, he can help the Jazz, maybe he can help somebody else? Eric Paschal. I mean, I, Eric's got to get in better shape, but I really like him. Uh, I think he plays the right way. I think he plays hard. You know, he just came um, He came to the game last night and brought energy. I think he's a guy that can guard the ball and guard perimeter. 
Um, you know, I was really disappointed in Royce O'Neal's defense last night. I know we give him a ton of credit a lot, but he, he was not very good defensively last night. And, you know, if he's not going to be out there really being great defensively and only taking two or three shots, you know, what's why, why 35 minutes? And so I would say that, yeah, I think there may be some opportunity to utilize some of the stuff you've got. And I, I really do like Pascal. I, I think he's uh, – I think he's a winner. And then I've really liked seeing what I've seen at Daniel House. Uh, I know he didn't have the best game against Indiana, but again, last night came into the game and did some good things. He's a guy who you definitely jumps off the film that he can guard the ball and he keeps guys in front of him. And um, he's got some good length to him, you know, but that's a guy that's intriguing to me because they got him, you know, the way they, they are able to acquire him. I think there's a place on the team for a guy who can, who can get down on a stance and keep people in front. Yeah, but if everybody's healthy, whose minutes do these guys take? I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the guys that are in the rotation because they're going to determine the success of this team in the playoffs. Yeah, and I guess that's the that's the big question. Um, you know, I think, again, the Jazz have been league, almost, you know, league history leading offensively. Um, but, you know, you remember the years where the Jazz were, were crazy the other way, where they were really, really positioned around defense and, and struggled on the offensive side to shoot it. Um, so it's almost as though the pendulum swung completely the other way, and it's just just needs to have a couple of guys who are willing to um, give a little bit more on the defensive end. My, I, you know, the beautiful part is in my job now, I can just talk about concepts and ideas necessarily have to actually make the hard decisions um but if you watch the film and and you really are looking for opportunities i I think they're there you know i think there's an opportunity to play uh, a guy like pascal in a situation where there's you know where the ball's not moving where uh guys aren't really guarding their their yard you know and, and that's up to quinn you know i don't know who i don't know who and how and when and and again, right now everything's all kind of discombobulated too, with so many guys out, and really the the cornerstone of your team defensively. And I would almost say, you know, leads to he, he really does give guys advantage with his screens, whether they be off ball, you know, and they can curl into the paint with an advantage, or in a ball screen. And nobody sets a better ball screen than Gobert. Um, really clears a way for guys to get downhill, and then that's where the blender can start. So, I mean, they miss him a ton right now. There's no question about it. So we can talk stats and X's and O's, but how much of this is just grit and determination and New Jersey toughness? And I'll use Hassan Whiteside as an example because I thought it was so obvious, but I don't think it's limited to him. I think it's up and down the roster. But in the game in Detroit, he gets his shot blocked twice right out of the gate. He starts 0 for 2, and he's getting a shot blocked by a guy who's I don't know, four or five inches shorter. It just shouldn't be happening. And then he inbounds the ball and doesn't see an opposing player and basically throws it right to him. And the guy hesitates for a second and then looks at Hassan, kind of sizes him up and decides, I'm going to dunk on you. And he dunks on him, and Hassan doesn't even get off the floor. So at this point, you might as well have me in the game because I can get my shot blocked and I can get dunked on. But something snaps, Hassan flexes for a second, and he spends the next quarter and a half 
beating up all the undersized guys they throw at him. He's blocking shots. He's dunking on alley-oops. They give him the ball on the floor, and he's dunking. He's doing exactly what they got him for. It doesn't bear any resemblance at all to the first three or four minutes. And I think he's just going to run roughshod over these guys all night long, but then the second half he just kind of disappears. I didn't think it was really good or really bad. He just got caught up in the flow of the game and it was going against the Jazz. Isn't that just mental focus and determination? Yeah, I mean, in part, partly there, too, in rewatching it last night, you know, the, very, the, the Pistons changed the way they guarded and switched everything. So Kryptonite rears its head once again. That's why the roles and stuff weren't open. His son got so many things early on um, by virtue of, yes, being locked in after a tough start, uh, but then just really was the beneficiary of good ball movement, you know, as guys played on an advantage. The issue when teams switch is they, they Jazz really struggle to create an advantage. Um, it's almost as if the, the switching in the Jazz mind just says, okay, we're going to stop trying to move it and we're going to drive it ourselves and we're going to try to beat this thing. And, you know, I've seen it time and time again. And I know that's obviously not the way they're coached. They're coached to play off the pass. And so it's it's just an instinct, I think, when teams start to switch that guys feel like they got to fix it. And the result is no ball movement, you know, less advantage, tougher shots, and an easier way for a team to make a run on you. Since they have this losing streak now after coming off a pretty good streak, you don't want it to extend, obviously. So how big do you view these next few games? Well, they're in for a fight. And tomorrow night, It's uh, the Cavs are they're one of my favorite teams in the league to watch. They've got length galore. They, they play three seven-footers on the, on the floor. Um, and, and then they've got, in my mind, one of the, the best up-and-coming guards in Darius Garland. But their style of play, they come at you hard, man. They're, they're hard hat wearing guys. They have the ability to play above the rim. And they definitely get up in you on, on the defensive side. So, you know, there isn't time to feel bad for yourself. I think these games are really important. Again, the Jazz are, you know, their entire. There's a. And that they're playing, you know, at half strength. Um, but again, much the didn't have Jeremy Green last night, who's lead, their leading scorer and and by far best player. So you, you Quinn uses the term you got to you got to adapt to situation you're in, and that's really what the Jazz have to do. Um, will it make or break their season if they go on and lose a couple more with Rudy out? No, um, we've all seen that. You know, last year the Jazz finished number one record in the West and, and did not get where they wanted to go. So the most important basketballs played between April and June. The lessons learned through a season, I'm going to repeat this, lessons learned through a season and the journey of a season really define how you're going to play in those months. And the highs don't always equate, you know, the fact you're going to play terrific and the lows don't always equate to the fact you're not. Um but it's lessons learned along the way, and hopefully there's a lesson learned, you know, on focus and resolve and the ability to adapt that came out of this road trip. Have you ever seen, do you remember anyone doing what Clay Thompson is doing, being away from the game for two and a half years and then trying to come back at a high level? 
How long was Jordan gone? A year and a half. I mean, that's what it reminded me of, right? Like watching all the fanfare prior to him coming out on the court. And, you know, just that whole excitement. And I know Clay's not the level of, of Michael, but um, pretty close. You know, he's a guy who won championships and people around the, the world know his name. Um, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I, I think the game's really important to him. Winning's really important to him, and it's killed him to have to sit and watch. But, you know, to the Warriors' credit, we talk about adapting. You know, there would be a lot of reasons, particularly this year, too, you know, without him back to maybe start the season uh, and not be at your best. But they they went out and acquired a bunch of guys who really want to get down in the trenches and guard. Um, they have the best in defense in the, in the league. And it's really Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and a bunch of um, two-way guys. I mean, or, or guys like Wiggins, who's kind of you know re- resurrected his career there. Um, but I, you know, I haven't seen I haven't seen really much of it since Jordan. You know, when Jordan came back after trying to hit the curveball, um, and I'm excited for Clay. You know, he he looked like he. There's only one way to play yourself into game shape. That's the play. You know, you can't can't simulate that. So I know that it, that'll be the kind of the grueling part for him. But I mean, he dunked in the game and made three threes, um, and you know his team won against a good Cavs team that the Jazz are going to see. Tim, we appreciate the time. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk to you again soon. All you got to do is call. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Tim Brando on the end of the college football season, looking ahead to next year. He will join us coming up at the top of the hour right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day, part three. We've been talking jazz, we've been talking, talking Jackson Dark transferring. But the college football playoff committee meeting again, can't agree on expansion again. How stupid is the CFP committee? And they couldn't agree on expansion for the college football playoff. It's a joke. Ridiculous. Corey says, very. Scott says, they must be getting paid for every meeting they do. Well, they get per diem. So you have steak and eggs. Steak sandwich, a steak dinner. Cholesterol numbers climbing dramatically. You hit the gym. Laverle Tracy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There are already two SEC teams in the championship game. Why do they need to expand the playoffs? He's figuring four SEC teams in the semifinals. I would say probably six in the semis. Not possible, but thank you. 
You never know. Rob contradicts himself. No way two teams from the same league should be in the playoffs. They should do an NCAA tournament model, take the winner of each league, and do a tourney. Well, in the NCAA tournament model, there are multiple teams from leagues in there, and we've seen multiple teams in the Elite Eight and Final Four from the same league. Yeah, but it's not the singular same league. You see what I'm saying? Like, for instance, college basketball, the Pac-12, they've got three teams in the top five right now. Yep. And last year, they had a bunch of teams getting to the Sweet 16. So it's not just the one conference. So One, I, year, I, it's, one year it's the ACC. That's one apples year it's the and kumquats. Apples and kumquats. It is. Have you, ever, have you ever eaten kumquats? With apples? Yeah, you dip the apple in a little peanut butter and then you have the kumquat. Steve says expansion just further diminishes the importance of the regular season. The damage has already been done. Actually, it heightens the interest in the regular season because then you don't have to play Chico State in the non-conference, in your non-con. You can have these titanic matchups. That's what what college basketball does. You know, the <clears throat> when they first unveil the dramatic college football Whole, they do it between games of some four-team powerhouse tradition programs on ESPN. It's all a marketing tool. It's all entertainment, man. It's a, the sooner people realize sports is entertainment, the better off they'll be in their mindset. As opposed to the most important thing in life. Yes, <laughs> and just go nuts on it and just, just sort of roll with it and realizing it is entertainment and it'll always be entertainment. And... So let's make it more entertaining. I disagree with all those. Utah, they can play off next year, right? Well, four team and two teams are going to be taken up by the SEC. So you're really, it's like the old BCS. You're trying to get into a two team playoff. And then if you expanded it, you could have the excitement and the anticipation going in down the stretch into the season. I don't think it diminishes the regular season. I think it increases the intensity. because, And then, if you stumble like Utah did this year, you know, they made the wrong choice. They didn't listen to me. You told me I should have told Kyle. I was right. It's still under your skin. I know it bugs you that I was right, that I said Rising should have been the guy. You hate it when I'm right. You're so jealous. But I just roll with it because I'm humble. And Utah loses early. But they're playing great ball at the end. And it would have been nice to see them get in. And if they win the Pac-12, they get in. Think about how more exciting that would be in the first Friday in Vegas, knowing you're going to go in. We see it all the time in, in college basketball, the the MEAC conference or whomever. You know, they win that game. Everybody floods the uh, court, who's ever there. We're in. Right. Because you got to go. It would be the same type of thing. You're going to the playoff. That'd be way cool. Jonathan says, if there were 16 teams in the playoff, you know who'd be in the championship game? Georgia and Alabama. The expanded playoff would be fun, but it is not necessary. I agree with that. <laughs> it would be fun. 
Necessary, I guess, is uh, in the short run to determine a champion, it is not necessary. The question is, in the long run, will conferences and regions of the country <laughs> who think that they have no chance to get to the playoff, will it lessen interest in college Then why football? have an NBA playoff? We pretty much know who's going to be there. Yes. So why if do that? Were, if it were eight instead of 16, what would be lost? The first, well, then reduce the that, first then. round and a lot of money. That's what would be lost. That's why they play the thing in the first place. There it is. It's not necessary. You know, my brother-in-law, the soccer coach, he did the uh, public address announcing for Cactus High School. And I used to go help him spot. Uh-huh. And they were talking about uh, a raffle or something. And he meant to say, you need not be pre- not necessary to be present to win. And he said, you need not be necessary to win. <laughs> <laughs> People in San Francisco around looking at him. I thought, great, I got a shot to win. In some ways, he's not wrong. <laughs> I'm not necessary. I might, I might get this. <laughs> you have to you have to have done public address at high school or college games or have done the radio where they can literally hear you because you're behind a table in the top row of the bleachers. And people turn around and give you a look. Man, that's that's humbling. <laughs> Especially in high school, you know, when you're right there. Oh, oh yeah. They're right below right. you. Right. And yeah. I'm I'm thinking back to UC Santa Barbara baseball, which now has a press box, but then yeah. it was the same thing. There's like twelve rows of bleachers and there was a table on the top row. So whoever's sitting in the sixth row could hear you loud and clear. Yeah, they had a little press box. Uh, and but I still recall all the people looking back up. You need not be necessary to win. <laughs> <laughs> and that stadium, that high school stadium, is named after him. Oh, nice! That's where they played the soccer games too. It's named after two people: one for football, one for soccer. And and his name is on that on that press box on the uh, on the outside of it. So I understand that. That's the way it is with the SEC. But to me, unless we make a change, it's only going to make it worse, not better. At least I got a chance. You know, the proverbial is saying you got a chance, right? It's probably not going to matter. But this way, you have no chance. When you want at least one a, a chance to see where you're at, and then too, you I, hear a, a lot of uh, there, there's this running back. Uh, went to ASU, Trianum, right? And he played there these two years. Well, he left, and he, he, he was all that coming out of high school in Ohio. And so he comes out to the desert, and he played the last two years, and he was okay. He had fumbling issues. Well, he's going to transfer. And he's going to transfer and play linebacker on Ohio State. And his big thing is, I want to play for championships. So my point is if the Pac-12 gets in, well, maybe you start keeping some of these guys home. The kid who made the big interception probably didn't need it, but he did make the interception to seal the win, went to Scottsdale Saguaro. And he goes to Georgia. Out of Arizona. Yeah. His coach went to ASU. The coach's father coached at ASU. The defensive coordinator was a guy named Caldwell who had a was all pack ten defensive first team as a linebacker. His I think his two or three brothers played there. And it's 
it can't be more than five miles away from the campus, but he goes to Georgia. And he's making an interception in the big game and all that, so you can't knock him for going. But maybe if the Pac-12 had an automatic bid, he might still keep in some of these kids here. And even if he weren't at ASU, well, he might I'm be not at saying there. USC or UCLA, yeah. Oregon or Washington. Oh, no, I'm not saying just... Maybe at Utah. Maybe so. Who knows? Well, yeah, they have a rep there. If you st- the fact is, if you start a DB at Utah for three years, you're, you're probably an NFL. NFL guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you start, that's just the way, you know, the history shows that if you're really good at that position for the Utes, you're not so much receiver, but uh, certain positions, they funnel guys in the NFL all the time. So, yeah, from the, Klyovkov doesn't care where you go in the conference as long as you go in the conference. And maybe that could help. So maybe that would actually change it. I don't don't understand the mindset, well, it's not going to make any difference. If you don't change it, it's not going to make any difference. The only chance you have to make a difference is by changing it. Unintended consequences. You're going to be ranked 9 through 12. You're Instead of going to the Rose Bowl, you're going to the playoff, but you're going on the road. That Utah-Ohio State game could have been in Columbus instead of in Pasadena. What's the difference? They lost anyway. <laughs> right, but it was a great experience. It's Pasadena. It's oh, New Anthony Year's Day. Brown went and beat the Ohio State in Columbus. If Anthony Brown can do it, Cam Rising can do it. Yeah, since you always assign quarterbacks a record as if they're pitchers. So yeah, they'll have to figure that out. How that'll work? I don't necessarily know that that's how it will work. You decided that's how it will work. Maybe it will. I don't know. It's just off what I've read. i got no inside knowledge, but it seems like they're looking at first round on campus and then the quarterfinals in bowl games. Okay, so you got an opportunity to win that one and go to the Rose Bowl. Win that one then, if that's such a big deal. And those things are changing, man. you got to get with the times in that way. What are you going to do? You know, you're not going to have a perfect system where everything is going to remain the same as it always was. If you want it the same as it always was, then go back to it. And then have the AP and the UPI vote. <laughs> and ship off your votes on the night of the first or what have you. Uh, if that's what you want. You know, but you're going to have some. You know, the, Do you think they realized, hey, wait a second... Sending Jackie Robinson to the Brooklyn Dodgers is actually going to make our league fold. See where I'm going? Oh, yeah. I don't know what they said back there. I don't right. ever hear that discussed or written about. The reality is it was such a monumental thing, but it made this other league go away. Mm-hmm. You know, so for those guys who were fringe guys in the Negro Leagues, all of a sudden now they don't got a place to play anymore. Uh, so that's... Progress sometimes comes to the expense of somebody. Yeah. Somebody suffers for the greater good. Right. Whoever owned a team didn't the, get to own a team. Whatever happened to the yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm Whoever saying. owned a team. And, and we know whoever got to manage teams didn't get to manage teams for years. Frank Robinson. What was it, the 70s? 25 70s? years. Yeah, 25 to 30 yeah. years later. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So. Exactly. I'm sure there was... Uh, Negro League managers who were very good managers right. and could have managed but weren't given the chance. 
so yeah, that I mean that's a, just an example that came off the top of my head uh, in in the name of progress. So I don't have a perfect answer for that. That'll be determined. I, I think they would incorporate them in some way. So, somehow you you do that, and, I, and maybe Utah is maybe at that point though, you know they're they're looked upon a little bit differently, and so the you have an opportunity to have a stumble early in the season. Maybe we can get away with playing the one double A programs. You know, you, you cost a lot of money to go to these games, and wouldn't you rather see a a better opponent? A competitive game. Yeah. Would you yes. rather have an Ohio State loss in the manner of which that game was played? Or an or, Idaho State, Weber State, Southern Utah win? Yeah. I would think the other way, particularly if there's a playoff and you're not really completely penalized. We were discussing earlier why this isn't happening. And I have not read this, but Stuart Mandel wrote this in The Athletic. I did this. read it. I read it last night. I know yeah. where you're going. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips is still yeah. waging a seemingly one-man fight to limit expansion to eight teams, which publicly, he says, is an athlete welfare issue, yeah. but privately is an attempt to force Notre Dame's hand to join his I conference in Yeah, fall. everybody's got an agenda. And his agenda is, <laughs> we want Notre Dame in our league, because look what it's going to do for our TV rights. <laughs> and they signed a long-term deal into the mid-2030s, uh-huh. and if Notre Dame expands, they can renegotiate the deal. So it's a double. If Notre Dame joins, yeah. I if Notre you. Dame joins, yeah. yeah. There, everyone has an agenda, and if you're unsure what the agenda is, just go to money. Follow the money. Your boy on PTI always says, the answer to your problems is money. Somebody said to that, Kornheiser said to that him years ago, and he says And, that. and Tony's just held on to it? Yeah. The answer to all your problems is money. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's a New York dude. Yeah. And so he's a New Yorker who went to college in New York and then moved to DC. He's I-95 the whole way. So that's the truth. So yeah, I saw that and I thought, okay, yeah, they're kind of sh- they're trying to basically strong arm Notre Dame into joining cuz that's a major major boon for that conference. Major. That I mean that that's the biggest thing possible is to get Notre Dame. You can have Texas and Oklahoma, fine, but we get Notre Dame. <laughs> We're good to go. Yeah, make some bulletproof. I mean, it's like we've got Notre Dame. Don't mess with us. Right. They're wildly popular. That whoever they play, they're the biggest of the big. They turns into big ratings, and it doesn't yeah. matter if they're playing San Diego State or Nevada or Toledo or any other G fives that they brought in for early season games. It's still good ratings. BYU in Vegas next October. Yep. Highlighted as one of the like top four games on their schedule. The Irish? Yeah, I saw a whole list of uh, you know big programs uh-huh. playing big games. And when they were looking at Notre Dame, they were looking at four games. And the USC game was in there, and they had some big 10 opponents that were highlighted, too. I think I, the Michigan series has been on and off. I don't know where it stands right now. Is it Ohio State this year? Yeah, it is Ohio State. Ohio State. I think it was Ohio State and Michigan, but it might have been Michigan State. Yeah. So, of course, that's his agenda, and Klyovkov's agenda is we want in. Oh yeah. So anything you want, we're there. We'll do it. 
Yeah, yeah, they put out a press release yesterday. Anything's better than four. He's he's in on eight. If the ACC can drag everybody to eight, he'll do it. But the G five leagues won't go to eight because they think they'll get shut out. Well, they are going to get shut out. Well, so then they won't do it. So that who cares? Then we'll just divorce them and send you away. They'll wait out the end of the contract and then they'll. Well, do that's it. what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I get that's that. That's what's going to happen. So what's that? Twenty twenty six. And then then so got four more years. Then the unanimous thing goes away. The contract expires. Yeah, yeah, yeah twenty six. And then it's market forces who has the most power, and they will create the next system. And that means the SEC will have the most power, followed by the Big Ten and whoever their friends are that have. Formed an alliance. Well, unless with them. the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve the say screw you, right. SCC. This is what you, the, we're going to do our own, and we're not going to include you. This is what the alliance. So is. you go, you go play your playoff amongst yourselves. Right. You're not included. We'll just do it over here, and you can do whatever you want over there. And then you really won't deliver the rest of the country, and we will because our teams will be playing. And with the ACC and the Pac-12 aligning with the Big Ten. Who's got the? They carry the most weight, but the other two pretty much covers the country. And the Big Twelve can jump on board. When they did that alliance, nobody knew what the Big Twelve was going to look like or if it was going to exist. Right, the timing of it. The timing of it. The, the Oklahoma and Texas were out. The next teams weren't in. Right, right. We didn't know where they were going. Right. But for all you BYU fans out there, if the league holds together and the league produces good, highly ranked teams, then. They'll, then, then they'll probably be recruited by either well, the SEC will, or the will Alliance. Produce a highly ranked team because somebody will take the place of Oklahoma. Yeah, I would think so. And right now, it looks like Bay, Baylor and Oklahoma State, but Kansas State, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Cincinnati. Not ruling any of those right. teams out. They all got possibilities. The Cougars too. Houston, BYU, both the Cougars. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on the playoffs with Tim Brando coming up in about 15 minutes. The transfer portal, it is, it is a story unto itself. There are so many names, and there are some trends emerging. Not what we're used to, but it's the new normal. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. It all comes back to that that Pulp Fiction line where he goes, that's just pride talking. If I'm a player in the NBA, screw winning. Put me on a dog and I'm going to score 30 points a game and make a half a billion dollars in my career. That is not a bad way to go. It's not a bad way to go for some guys. Let's go. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, reminding you when you go to your next jazz game, purchase a Ford fan zone all you can eat ticket and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fan zone all you can eat tickets now. Okay. All right. I'll be there. Stuff yeah. my face with popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Transfer portal wide open. Yak, you remember when the transfer portal started and then you would tell us when the guy went in the transfer he portal? He still does. And now there's like a million people in sports media, literally a million, two commas, six zeros, trying to steal your gig. It's all right. <laughs> you like the competition? I, I'm an OG. Bring it on. I'm an OG. I, yeah. Oh, he broke the Jackson. I think Jackson called him personally. That's what he's not telling us. Oh, really? A source yeah. close to the situation was Jackson himself. <laughs> hey, Jake, um, I'm going to the transfer portal. Yeah. <laughs> he's transfer portal Pete over there. Why should Jackson Dart choose either BYU or Utah? Come on home. 
NIL money will flow. These teams are good. They both finished the year ranked. They both have a chance to be really good next year. Your eligibility will take you into the Big 12 with BYU. Yeah, if you're good enough to leave after three, you'd still get one year in the Big 12. At either school, Dart would be competing for the starting job with a returning starter. However, a returning starter who has been knocked out by injury. Not this year for Cam Rising, but last year. Except for this year it was the Rose Bowl. It was right at the end. Yeah, okay, you're right. That wouldn't probably be enough playing time to satisfy most people. But (laughs) But the year before it was the shoulder. Every quarterback is susceptible to injury. Yes. Whether it's happened yet or not, it can happen. But when it has happened, it seems like the odds are higher. Well, in Jaron Hall's case, he's, he's been knocked out multiple times. Yeah. The longest stretch he's had is seven games without an injury. Right. And, and it's not to where you can play with injury, obviously. He's literally sat out. You know, this ain't Robbie Bosco where he's got two meniscus tears and an ACL and a PCL and MCL and still playing. <laughs> <laughs> And he went over, and he looked at the trainer and said, Cut me, Mick. And he went right back in. Do you want to play? Not only do I want to play this decision, it's not even close. And what'd he do? In the greatest heroic moment in the history of sports, led BYU to the national championship. Robbie T. Bosco. Got a 1-26 in 26 chance. And the T stands for trophy. It's 1 in 25 because if it were Q, we would know. Q's our guy. He's coaching to the Jazz, to the NBA championship. It's really 1 in 24 because if it was Z, we would know also. Well, and then L and M, they got kicked out for smoking. <laughs> what? <laughs> the stream of consciousness is just something. L and M used to be a cigarette brand. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, because you guys, you grew up in the faithful, keeping the code. Mine didn't. They smoked. You guys, your parents, you grew up in the faith. You kept the code, so you weren't around. I knew about camel. You weren't around uh, tobacco the uh, way I was. I was not around tobacco the way you were. That's granted, yes. But it, but in my family, it was, it was mix and match. Oh, yeah, yeah. People well, not everybody's never faithful. smoked. I mean, you read and the good who, book, and it says 50% oh, are going to fall smoked. away. So, yeah, we, get, we understand that. That's just the way it is. And especially in these latter times, even the faithful are falling away. Look, half eyes, seeth, people, seeth. <laughs> okay, stop. Seeth. <laughs> I thought you'd be into the Jackson Dark conversation, but you're not. I am. <laughs> you're not. I am, too. <laughs> I just, it took me to a place and I went. So the new trend is <laughs> if there's a coaching change, even if you're a starter, it's 50 50, you're moving on. USC has a coaching change, two guys move on. Washington State has a coaching change. Jane Delora is out. The new they're offensive still... coordinator is bringing his quarterback with him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. So this is the new. This is the new deal. You can love it. You can hate you know, it. I, but this is the new deal. Well, it's the new deal for now. You think in five years people will be like, wow, move, changing quarterbacks every year? That didn't work. I, I think it's a little bit of like you get a little money and what do you do? You go buy something. Whether you need it or not, you go buy something, right? Well, it's the point of having the money if you don't spend it. Yeah, or, you know, the old line, well, 
Though the socks were on sale. Yeah, but I don't need dirty socks. But they're on sale, so you got to buy it. So now it's like all this freedom that it's just now here. So people, yeah, yeah, boom, I'm gone. And I, I wonder if we get 10 years removed, and then you start getting people who went into coaching. You talked to Riley Jensen. He talked about moving, and really was it the best interest for him to be bouncing around a little bit? You know, if he would have stayed Riley at BYU, went to snow. maybe he would have yeah. had an opportunity. Riley went to snow and played. He did spring football at BYU. Didn't get the job. Transferred to Utah State and did get the job. And he's talked about, you know, upon reflection. So I, I, I wonder going forward down the line if that will change. But that's not the reality now. Clock's ticking and everybody wants to make it to the NFL. And the NFL doesn't like to draft guys who are sitting on the bench in college. I think the answer of why come to BYU in Utah, mm-hmm. because they got everything you need to be successful. Except an open starting job. Even better, win the job. That'll make you a better ball player. Ooh, that was deep. Coming up next, Tim Brando, college football playoff. The latest on that, the title game. He's also calling college hoops for Fox Sports. Tim Brando is back next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Tim Brando. You're on Fox Sports College Football and Basketball broadcast. He's been on the show many times. He's back. Tim, thanks for joining us again. Good morning, DJ. PJ, how are you? We are doing well this morning. I am curious if you found that that championship game was a satisfying end to the season or the expansion to the 12-team playoff looms over us and the fact it was two SEC teams wrecked it even if the fourth quarter was dramatic look you know with all of its foibles and with all of the issues that are off the field that you know I'm I'm sure maybe a lot of people that follow me on Twitter uh, get a little bit fatigued by my complaints Um, the college game is still the greatest game it's one of the reasons why I, um, I feel the need to point out the problems because I love it so much. And I think people know that my criticism is genuine and it comes from a prism of love. And if they don't, well, then, you know, they're, they're lost in Twitterville and total negativity because uh, they don't know my past and they don't know my present and they don't understand that I still feel my future uh, involves college football until the day I die. And, uh, but, but, but the bottom line is that game in the, as bad as it was for a half, and it was pretty bad uh, for a half. It was. Uh, it looked like a lot of of SEC rematches we've seen in the past. Um, uh, you know, the 2011 LSU Alabama game was the, in the BCS is what helped us get to four teams because it was just a colossal bore. Uh, I don't think LSU got past the 50 yard line in that game in New Orleans uh, that night. Uh, America just doesn't like to see rematches, and particularly rematches with teams out of the same conference that played a month ago. Uh, I don't know what the rating will be. My guess is it will not be very good, probably uh, 10%, 15%, maybe less than the Ohio State-Alabama game a year ago. Um, but it was, uh, as, as college football can be, and only college football can be, it delivered – uh, in 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 ways uh, that that professional sports simply can't. You know, a preferred walk on who who was not recruited by anybody uh, that was major uh, coming out of high school, 
that went to a small junior college. And then after he excelled at, at, at the, the, the JC in the state of Mississippi, uh, pretty much turned down Georgia when they asked him to come back. But his dream as a kid was to be a starting quarterback in Athens, Georgia. And he outduels and makes the biggest plays uh, of his life against the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and, and slays the dragon that is Alabama football. Uh, that's, I mean, that's legendary. Okay, they'll be talking about that uh, in Athens, Georgia. And, you know, college football's currency is its history. You know, it really is. And to have waited 41 years to win a national title since Herschel Walker was a freshman uh, to get it and to have been so close as Georgia has been for a handful of years. And it was Alabama that did them in most of the time, cost them their chance. Um to have this kid pull it off when everybody, I mean, up until the third my man Joel Klatt, and I actually retweeted it, said if JT Daniels is, is can walk, he needs to come into the game. And then, boom, okay, look what happened. Um, you know, only college football fellas can deliver that. Only college football. And even with its issues, NIL, transfer portal, uh, the thought that we're losing – you know, what amateurism is all about uh, because of the changes that are being made in intercollegiate athletics and specifically college football. You can just throw all that out. Okay, the, the, the greater good won out last night, and uh, we should celebrate it. We, we really should. From the Pac-12 perspective, George Kolovkov, the new commissioner, before the Pac-12 title game, he was very blunt in saying that we have got to do a much better job in terms of keeping West Coast kids in the conference. Now, you look at George, Alabama, Bryce Young throws a an interception at the end of the game. So he's from California. Uh, Ringo, the kid who catches it, is from the Phoenix area, right? So you got you got one for going all two kids literally in the Pac-12 area, just miles mm-hmm. miles away uh, from from three schools, basically four schools if you co- count uh, the U of A and ASU and then the two LA schools. Uh, it's an issue. It's a serious issue. What can be done from the Pac-12 perspective? Because it seems like they've got a commissioner who's willing to acknowledge that everything isn't great, and they've created this uh, sort of all-star panel of ex-players in the conference to try to do stuff. From your perspective, what can be done to buoy up the Pac-12 in, in terms of being able to be stronger and going a long way towards keeping kids home in the conference? I look forward to meeting Kliavkov because I've I've liked some of what I've seen him say. Uh, I've not met uh, George yet. I look forward to it. Uh, I really do. I think uh, his acumen, particularly uh, from the standpoint of um, of um, uh, the gaming aspect of, of, of college sports and how that can help drive interests uh, from those that maybe we need to coerce to come over to the college side. Um, college football is and college sports in general uh is is i think an afterthought in certain corridors of the country and and the west coast has become one of those corridors and that's unfortunate uh i I would recommend that his blue ribbon panel include some people from outside the west coast because you know i've had this conversation with many athletic directors uh, and past commissioners, um, and I'm close to 
um, some of them. I was close to all of them uh, before a lot of them retired. You know, um, the, the former ACC commissioner uh, I was close with. Uh, Jim Delaney is somebody I, I know very, very well. Uh, Mike Slive before he died, and I were very good friends and close. And I, and I know Greg Sankey uh, from the SEC. But part of what's going on right now that's a problem uh, is the inability uh, to unify these these leaders of commission, the commissioners of all the different conferences. They've got to find some common ground uh, to specifically talk to the issues that are affecting uh, the Pac-12. They they really need to admit that they need to find a new blueprint in the Pac-12. Okay, for instance, in Salt Lake at Utah, okay, there is a natural fandom that the Utes have for themselves. And that was evidenced at the Rose Bowl. You may have lost the game, okay, but you won the gate. That was clear. And I think that's true with a lot of Pac-12 schools where the college community really does take over the metropolitan area. And Salt Lake does have a, a metropolitan area. It's in a lot of ways a big little place that's engulfed by the university um, and by extension by, by other universities. The whole dynamic with BYU and Utah serves to help both, I think. That, that rivalry uh, serves to help both. You don't have that when you go into the state, by, by example, of Arizona. Okay? Uh, it's just there's so much geography, so much vast land between locations that this notion that everybody from the conference can get on the same page it just doesn't happen, okay? The mindset of fans is completely different. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, you can't change history. There's, there's just a lot of history uh, with, with certain schools and college football. But you can, develop, you can develop interest and energy and enthusiasm by, by doing what's in the best interest of the sport. Uh, for years, having the title game in Santa Clara was just a mistake, a big mistake. Um, hopefully that's going to change. Um, the, the notion that um, the Pac-12 is, for whatever reason, steadfast about not wanting to go to 12 teams for fear that uh, more SEC teams will get in if we don't go the AQ route. Look, I, I, I don't care, and I would love to have this conversation with guys like Klavkoff uh, as well as uh, Jim Phillips, the new commissioner of the ACC, whom I know and respect. But, you know, you're the league that needs to have 12 teams in the playoff more than anybody. Okay? You're hemorrhaging money. You're not making in television what other conferences are making. So whatever your issues are, as it relates to meeting and not coming to any kind of conclusion about expansion, uh, that needs to be repaired. Uh, and, and listen, these kids want to be on television. They want to know that their own individual brands will grow with the brand of the conference. And, and right now, there are a lot of unanswered questions about that particular direction with the Pac-12. So anytime you have uh, greater access and, and a 12-team format would give the Pac-12 at least, you're guaranteed you're, you're going to get one in. And you might get more 
why worry about the SEC or anybody else getting multiple teams in? Okay, that that they need to fix that. You want to keep teams at home, then you need to make sure that the players out there know that you take college football seriously. Uh, these kids that are going to the SEC from the West Coast, they know, and and you can scoff at it all you want, but they know that college football is a big deal down here. You know, I've grown up in the South. I li- I've lived in Louisiana all but uh, four years of my life when I was in Connecticut working at ESPN in the late 80s. Uh, I-, I lived somewhere else. But the rest of my life, I've either been in uh, my hometown, which is Shreveport. I live here. I've been here for 31 years since I moved back from Connecticut. Uh, and I worked in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, the other places. So uh, it's a part of our lives. It's a fabric of our lives. Um, and, and I just don't believe that, uh, you know, you can do that on the West Coast because of, you know, the pro sports mentality of so many fans. Uh, basketball is a much bigger deal at some schools. Uh, Arizona, I think, falls into that category, a few other places. Uh, football players want to play where they believe they're noticed and appreciated. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why Kyle, or Kyle Whittingham, has done such a great job at Utah. Uh, Utah players know that they're noticed and they know that they're appreciated, particularly there. Uh, and as I said, that was, um, even though you lost the game to Ohio State, I still think it was the best game of the bowl season. And, and, and of the losing teams, no one appeared stronger okay, in defeat than uh, the Utes. Tim Brando joining us, college football and basketball broadcaster for Fox Sports. So the Pac-12 needs a path back to national relevance, and money seems like the shortest route. What are the odds a program like USC or Oregon, maybe somebody else, but one of those two grabs name, image, and likeness and pours a ton of money directly into player and essentially into player acquisition? Well, again, that was another thing I thought uh, uh, when they were having the, the uh, press conferences at the uh, national championship, uh, Saban and, and uh, Kirby Smart were both. Oh, you know, we really need to get some, uh, you know, some national uh, regulations going here. <laughs> How are you going to do that? Okay, first off, uh, it, it, it you know Congress isn't going to bail you out. The NCAA tried to get them to help. That 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 didn't work. The NCAA could have been you know, taking a leadership role. They chose not to. Uh, they're decentralizing now. I think uh, Emmert has decided if I can make $4 million a year and not have to do anything, that's what I'll do. Uh, so it's up to the states. And I think, look, look, the schools, most of the schools are state universities. Some are private, but most of them are state schools. They need to put the pressure on to make sure that they get – uh, the right kind of laws in place so they can take advantage of name, image, and likeness. So be proactive in that regard. Uh, and yeah, uh, this is about doing what's right for the growth of your sport and for the people that you're trying to procure to come and play it. The genie is out of the bottle. Anybody, and I was, <laughs> I've got friends of mine that are my age and older, uh, you know, and I'm a very young 65, right, fellas? A young yeah. Oh, no question. I thought you were yeah, 55. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, what I'm saying is, if, if people have a problem with this, we're, we're not winding the clock back. We're not going to bring the, the boat back into dock. That, that baby, that ship has sailed. 
And, and we're going to have to live with this. Times are changing, and you got to change with it. And uh, the NIL is a big deal. And those schools that are going to – and I had planned for it. You know, individual schools planned on this. There are agencies and firms privately run that, that help the schools plan for and uh, are implementing what needs to be done uh, to monitor what's going on with NIL. And if you were asleep at the switch, then shame on you. Um, but yeah, the, the best way to go about it, and listen, it's a marketing opportunity. And I think we'll, the schools that are best equipped to handle it, sure, are places like SC, um, maybe UCLA, although I don't know, you know what their thought process is. They're certainly well-positioned. Uh, and, and, and Oregon is another one that could fall into the category. But if you don't take advantage of that, then th- this, that's on you. You've got to be prepared and, and be ready to go. And uh, <laughs> all the money that they've spent through the years on compliance officers at these schools, uh, they need to be spending uh, a, a lot more money on, you know, public relations 101, NIL 101, and, and get people in there to, to, yes, keep an eye on what's going on, but also be proactive to help uh, the athletes get the kind of deals that they can be happy with and know that they're, they're being compensated in a fair and equitable manner by comparison to those schools that they're in competition with. Uh, everything's changed here. And if a lot of fans have tuned out or they feel like it's not the same, well, you know what? Uh, times change. And, and if you don't change with them, that you're going to be left behind. Um, uh, the notion that uh, these kids today are playing for old state U, uh, sorry, that's not how they think these days, okay? Yeah, they want to play college ball, but they're, they also want to play college ball at a place they believe can set them up uh, for their futures. And that's the mindset of the guys, whether they have the ability to play at the next level or not. Which AD has the guts to hire Urban Meyer? <laughs> Man, that's a good one. Oh, God. Huh. That is a, boy, that's a hell of a question. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, last night watching uh, Dan Mullen do some um, studio uh, analyst work for ESPN. You know, Dan's going to be, he's probably going to take a year off. He doesn't, he's got so much money. These guys are paid so much money not to coach. Why coach? But I could see Urban going someplace and maybe calling his old buddy. Mullen's available, you know, yeah. right? So that could be a ready-made staff, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> they were here in Utah. That's a great, that, that, that is a great question. Um, somebody will. Uh, it, it may take another year or two, but, but somebody will. Uh, he'll never coach, obviously, at the, at the NFL level. But, um, gosh, I, you know, yeah, Urban was so good on TV. I, I wonder sometimes, it, it, does he rethink uh, even going to the NFL? Because he had really, I thought, changed his uh, image uh, in a very positive way in the time that he spent with us at Fox. Right. Uh, I mean, he was really good in that studio. Uh, but I don't know. God, that's a, boy, that's a great question. I'll have to think about that one. And I probably will all day long. That you <laughs> Do you think it's impossible that he get hired and coach it? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, "No, slam the door. That's over." 
Are you comfortable saying that and us holding on to the tape and playing it for you when he gets hired and you come with, back with on the show? To, uh, no, with Urban, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think it's ever really over. Okay, um, uh, let's let's by comparison uh, let's let's by comparison think about uh, guys that fell into disfavor uh, for uh, alleged stories that were of questionable. Uh, alleged stories of questionable morality, okay? Um, the Hugh Freeze resurfaced, did he not? Yep. At Liberty. Yeah. Jerry Falwell, you were crying out loud. <laughs> so, and the guy can coach. The, the big question in this part of the country is when will an SEC AD you know, rehire Hugh Freeze? Uh, urban situation is different but similar. And, and so I, I would never say never. <laughs> I, I would never. I would never say never. I, I would say never to the NFL. I mean, that you know that, that'll never happen again. But at the collegiate level, would would somebody do that? Yeah, yeah, look, these guys. The man has got a track record in college sports of being, you know, one of the best ever. I mean, um, you look at um, Mount Rushmore for uh, the last uh, twenty-five to thirty years of college football, and Urban, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Until recently, uh, Urban would have been on it, you know. Uh, maybe not now, but he certainly would have been on it prior to, you know, his escapades in Jacksonville. If Sarkeesian doesn't work at Texas, that is the fan base that is so rabid and so motivated and cannot accept getting beat like a drum in the SEC by Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and LSU. Can't accept it. That's a good point. Uh, I would say that It'll be a while, I think, fellas, before we see those teams go into the SEC. Uh, have you noticed how how Quiet. all that conversation has cooled? Um, you know the, uh, the the realignment, which is driving, I think, in so many respects, why the the athletic directors and commissioners of the conferences uh, are saying no to expansion right now. One of the, the the ways that they can, that, you know, the, the excuses that they can give is until realignment is settled and until um, we have our new television contracts for our conferences, we're, we're going to make these guys, you know, stand up to the grant of rights that they paid. You know, it's still, I think the number might go from $80 million to maybe $60 million because of years with Oklahoma and Texas. But those schools don't want to pay that money right now. Even though they've got all the money that they need, they don't want to pay that money to go into the SEC right now and get their butts kicked. They're not ready. They're not ready to go into that league uh, at this stage. And and I look the the, the Big Twelve is set now with um, with Cincinnati and with UCF, uh, with Houston and with um, BYU. Um, they're, they're set to have their league without those two schools. But as long as they can hold on to them, financially, their rights for television are much greater if they stay where they are. So they're, they're not going to push them out. They're going to make them pay the money to get out if they want to. But I think it's at least going to be a couple of years before we see those schools go into the Southeastern Conference. Uh, and by the way, uh, the SEC on CBS is going to stay in place probably for three years because – uh, they only paid $55 million annually for that contract. The ESPN paid over $300 million to get it away, but they don't get 
the actual product until 2025. Why would CBS give that up unless ESPN paid them market value for it? So I I think we're going to see everything settle, and we're going to still have the teams where they are for at least the next couple of years. That's the reason why you're seeing the, the, the idea of moving to 12 uh, right now in the playoff. That's what the reason why you're seeing everybody say, no, we're not going to agree to this. Because all these commissioners want to get their new TV deals intact before they make the big splash with, uh, with, tw- with a 12-team format. They're playing a game of chicken right now, and I think the game is all, is all built around their new TV deals that have to be done. Uh, once they feel like they've gotten all their money for that, then and only then will they say, "Okay, yeah, we'll go to twelve because we can make two billion a year uh, on the college football playoff as opposed to you know six hundred and seventy million they currently make." I love amateur athletics. <laughs> it's, listen, I've been saying this for years. Uh, fans don't necessarily care. Uh, media, we can talk about it. Uh, but but fans do need to understand that it is big business. And uh, the question oftentimes comes up, yeah, but these are college kids. And I'll go, yeah, but what is the mission of your university? All right, what is, what is the mission statement of your university? And, and you know, a lot of times people will go, well, they're, they're there to educate our young people. Okay, yeah, they are. But would you put, would you also say, that the mission statement is to make as much money as humanly possible. I don't know if you guys have sent your kids to college, but I I sent my two girls, and and I'm here to tell you, most institutions of higher learning, their mission statement begins with making money. Education, yes, but making money, too. And these schools now know how much more they can make on big-time college athletics. And... uh, and for any fan or, or any member of the media not to understand that is just burying your head in the sand. Tuition was due on Friday the 7th, and they did not announce whether the school, which is out of state uh, from Utah, didn't, the school did mm-hmm. not announce until after tuition was due whether they were going to be online or in person, knowing well, full well go. that they were going to irritate half of the tuition payers either way. Right. I mean, no matter what they said, people were going to be upset. So they waited until Absolutely. tuition was paid, and then they made the announcement. <laughs> Tim, we appreciate the time. As always, thanks so much. Happy to be with you. Happy New Year. And, um, you know, I can't wait for, uh, you know, toe to meet leather again next year. We've got some great basketball to, to follow between now and then, and I'm fired up for the round ball these days. Tim Brando, college football and basketball broadcaster for Fox Sports. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, next. We'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. It all comes back to that that Pulp Fiction line where he goes, that's just pride talking. If I'm a player in the NBA, screw winning. Put me on a dog and I'm going to score 30 points a game and make a half a billion dollars in my career. That is not a bad way to go. It's not a bad way to go for some guys. Let's go. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. 
Time to get you up to date on everything we talked about. You just heard Donovan Mitchell talking about the Jazz and what they've got to do defensively because obviously what happened in the second half, really from the middle of the second quarter on in Detroit, was unacceptable. It's not going to get them anywhere near a championship. And they're not getting there without Rudy Gobert anyway, so they get him back, that'll change stuff. But even with the guys they were missing, that was a bad loss, PK. Happens again, I say trade them all. Every last one of them. No, you don't. You, I just did. I ain't going to put up with this. I don't get up every morning to talk about that. 78 points in the second half. That's woolly unacceptable, and I rarely use the word woolly. I don't even know what's appropriate, but it sounds cool. I thought you were going to go with woefully when you started there. You tricked me. No, woolly. That's, that's a big-time word, and it's all too real. That's when you know when somebody says it's all too real. It's very serious. And they got to snap out of it, as Sure once said to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> snap out of it. Moonstruck. <laughs> And Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah. I'll change my name and then people won't know that I'm a Coppola. Come on, Nick. Bum-bum-bum. Nicky, you're like the rest of them. We know how you got in there. Well, the Jazz got in there on merit. And they need to get back to doing what they're doing. What they're capable of doing. I was very disgusted with that game. And I rarely get disgusted in all seriousness. I was disgusted. Up 22. The blowout was commencing. And we were going to be flipping over and focusing on football. Turns out Detroit was getting back in the game and we were going to miss the first half of the college football game, which as it turned out was fine because that was 9-6 to six, and your rule limiting field goals would have been a kicking into effect very early in the game. You get three chances. That's your three. Thanks for playing. <laughs> yes. Used them all in the first half. But the second half was more exciting, for especially obviously from the Georgia perspective. Jazz got to get back to winning, man. You know, Clay Thompson is just is minimally he's going to give the, the the Warriors a shot of energy. I don't know that they need renewed hope because they're really good and they always knew he was coming back anyway. It was just a matter of time, and so obviously they plan the midseason and hopefully for him he can stay healthy. Uh, obviously, you want everybody to be healthy, and so with that in mind. Now's of all times, not the time to slum. Now, there's plenty of time. you still got uh, 41 games to go. So aren't we exactly at the midway? So certainly, you know, and, and I would be far, far more dismayed if that stuff happened with Gobert on the floor. The reality is it didn't. So you've got that guy coming back at some point, and, and, and clearly he's a difference maker. But still, I mean, they're, the Pistons suck, and they're without Grant, who's recognized as their best player. Cunningham had his, he's just barely into it, but he had his career night. Went for 29 points. Yeah. And so did Bay. And it didn't seem like they could miss a three. Well, once they got going, yeah, and, and shooting is like hitting in baseball. It gets contagious, man. And, and also, it, when you have a guy with like five feet as well. And you end up with all sorts of confidence. And confidence in shooting is such a significant factor. I mean, I had it a couple times playing CYO back in the day. Nice. Way to really go back in the day. <laughs> Seventh grade? Fifth grade? Third grade? How far back you go? No. You, they only let you play CYO uh, seventh and eighth grade. Oh, that's just a junior high program? Huh. Catholic Youth Organization, buddy? 
You ever heard of CYO? I have heard of it. I did not know it was... I uh, mean, I rarely talk about it, but we have to talk about FFFU. You talk about FFFU all the time. You were in FFFU in high school. I was not. You're referring to FFA, and I wasn't in it. Well, whatever the crap you were in it, I've heard it a million times. I see what you were doing. The other day, you told somebody you were in FFF4AFFU or something. I don't know what it is. I mean, but you brag about it all the time like it's a big freaking deal. I played CYO 7th and 8th grade. All right. Made the all-star team 8th grade. End of second quarter. No, I think it was end of third quarter. Playing at Morris Catholic. The big high school. It's where my sister went. And I dropped in, made a half-court shot. On the big varsity court or on the sideways no. practice courts? No, we didn't have sideways practice courts. The kind of money you grew up in. Geez, sideways practice courts. What are you talking about? We had one gym. Did it have six hoops in it? No, it had two. Where I played at St. Peter's, that's where they also it doubled on Sunday for Mass. And then the game started at 2, so you had to have all the boys get there about 12.30 to take down the chairs for Mass. And then they'd lower the hoops, and away you'd go, man. I'd live for that. Are you kidding me? It was a big deal back then. Plus, you know, you're in the middle of winter, and that's all you had. And it was going to be like months before you can get outside. Where you can flash the leather. Oh, man, harken back. College football, Georgia beats Alabama 33-18. to Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to end the game. A couple Stetson Bennett to four touchdown passes and then a pick six. Will this encourage any quarterbacks to stay put and chase their dream and battle from third on the depth chart? Or... Jaden Delora will see the new offensive coordinator bringing his quarterback and think, this isn't going to be a fair competition. I'm out. I'm going to Arizona, which he is. And USC Jackson Dart will say, oh, new coach from Oklahoma is bringing in his guy. Then I'm following Slovis out the door. I think you're going to have both. I mean, there's the reality is that more co- quarterbacks stay than transfer. So each situation is unique unto itself. So the Pac-12 is going to have transfer quarterbacks at Arizona, Washington State, USC, and Oregon. This is the way it looks. Oh, Washington. Uh, Washington five. So you're right. There's still seven staying put, including DTR, UCLA's super senior quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, returning for another year. Although they've been flirting with a transfer there themselves. They have? Maybe not getting him. They're flirting? They're trying to get uh, well, Dylan not, Gabriel out of UCF. It's not cool if you're married to uh, yeah. DTR. You don't want to be flirting. But now it looks like he's going to Oklahoma. We had Tim Brando on to talk playoffs. The future is here. It has arrived. Embrace it. NIL money. Rebuild, Pac-12. It's cyclical, right? This isn't permanent. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, but if, it, if it's cyclical until I die, then that, that's permanent. <laughs> the older you get, the more you want the cycles to cycle back. Yeah. I can't say that it is or it isn't. I'm not sure, but I do know that the Pac-12 needs a renaissance. This is a bad season. They need to get going. Too many bad things happen to too many teams all at the same time. Yeah, and really, there's only one team 
they could look at themselves this year and say, to an extent, job well done. Not necessarily good enough, but job well done. And that's the Utes. Nobody else. Even UCLA taking a step forward to eight wins. Well done. Oregon State made it to bowl eligibility, but then got smoked by a Mountain West team in the bowl game. They lost to Colorado. They did. They beat the Utes. Up and down's good for them. They've been down for a long time. But job well done? No, that's not the phrase they would use. Yeah. That was a step forward. Now we got to take another step forward. There's too many negatives to say job well done. You probably that wouldn't be the go-to. There's only one team. That's it. One. Zutes. First Rose Bowl. Basking in the glow. Uh, Which is obviously preceded by first conference title. Yep. And then you look at the factors of what they overcame and the emotional devastation. You have to factor that in. So you got those things going together. And you get job well done. That's it. Utah, number 12 in the final AP Top 25 poll. BYU, 19th. Utah State, 24th. Everybody ranked. Everybody with double-digit wins. Combined 31-10 and 10 in all three teams ranked. Yeah, that'll work. I look forward to having a similar season next year. That'd be great. DJ and PK, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. RCB Taylor tweets at us, Stop with the dart to any Utah school talk. He's not coming to BYU or Utah. Not even under consideration. How does he know? I don't know. It's Utah. Does he know somebody's brother's cousin? Who knows? Or they've got starting quarterbacks and Dart looks like a star in the making and he just figures there's no way it would happen. He does not elaborate. I need to have it be elaborated. Curtis says, we need another corner and wide receiver from the transfer portal. We have... And it's in Vele, but we need Enos and Vele, but we need some depth at those two positions, especially corner. Phillips can guard everyone. But not at the same time. Yeah, man. Guard everyone? I'm not so sure about that, man. That uh, quarterback threw for 550 yards. <laughs> it was all on the other side. Greg says, Jazz need to figure it out. Defense is largely about effort. Combine inferior athleticism with weak effort, and they look like a lottery team. So Detroit just had enormous athleticism? Cunningham does. No, no, that all Detroit does. Detroit was clearly undersized at times at positions. Does Cunningham have more athleticism than O'Neal? <sighs> Shouldn't have been able to blow by him the way he did. So you think he does? I think that's where you look at the effort. So you think Royce O'Neal gave a poor effort? Yes. Okay. There was one time late in the game especially, and I think it was Cunningham who went by him, but it might have been somebody else, but I think it was Cunningham. And he was still at the free throw line, and he was like clapped his hands or something. It's the frustration. is like, I just got beat there. Do what I used to do. Just yell help. <laughs> <laughs> that 
<laughs> that has been mocked by many coaches many times. <laughs> Help! <laughs> they say you got to communicate. That's communicating. Help! <laughs> right? I mean, you heard Donovan in his post game. You got to communicate. That's communicating. Help! Help! <laughs> <laughs> Clinto Pete, guess what? Jackson Dart entered the transfer portal. Pass it on to Yawk. I think Yawk already knows. I don't think he needs that passed on. He's got so many sources in it's, the transfer portal, man. Guys just look in the transfer portal, don't even put their names in, and Yawk finds out about it. It goes back to yesterday when I helped break that news, and then I no, had you broke the fetching okay, news. Regardless, but I all of a sudden I get <laughs> irregardless. A, what show sorry, are you on? I apologize. Irregardless, I get a text message with my exact tweet saying, "Did you see this?" And it, was and your tweet? Like, it was my tweet. Of course, I saw. Yes, I put that <laughs> so out. Someone there. didn't notice that the tweet. Apparently came from you. not. That's hilarious. <laughs> You've known all along. You were on the dartboard on this. I like it. That was good. <laughs> good. I wanted feedback. I, I know was, you did. You was waited. I wasn't getting it. You waited, and then you waited, and then finally you looked at me sideways. Like, breathe. Help out a brother. <laughs> <laughs> you going to throw me a bone here or what? <laughs> I live for those moments. Uh, we got a lot of people weighing in on Jackson Dart. Um Parker saying Jackson Dart shouldn't go to either school. Why not? Jaron Hall and Conover me. would transfer from BYU if that were the case. So Why what? Why would Jackson Dart care about that? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was planning on starting anyway, and nobody ever thinks, well, I'm going to get hurt in the sixth game. They go, they go. You don't want anybody who's not wanting to be in your program in any way. All in or in the way. They want to go, there's uh, the door. Door's on your right. Yeah. What, what's the point? Someone doesn't want to be there, they don't want to be there. And there could be a, a multitude of reasons why they don't want to be there. It, could not, it doesn't always have to be, well, I hate you, or you screwed me, and this is an acrimonious separation. That doesn't have to be the case at all. Castelli might have left because he might have thought, oh boy, camerizing's really good. Yeah. And, and not necessarily him, somebody above him. The decision maker, the dad, the high school coach. Yeah. In basketball, we always go AAU coach. I don't know what the football equivalent would be. The high school coach. It's there. There was some stuff there. I mean, it doesn't matter now. It's well under the bridge, and he's gone. So be it. But you know, stuff. I heard about it, but what's the point? These kids and their dads—they're making the best decisions. They think so. You're going to criticize them. Okay, you dumb. Well, if Cam got hurt and Castelli's good, you'd fan wants Castelli to step in and start slinging touchdown passes. But they make decisions in the moment that they think is right and the best for the kid. Every parent or most parents try to do that, and sometimes it doesn't work. And and you can't see the future, so you don't really know. Yeah, and it's almost like it's great that Burrow transferred to LSU. I mean, he could have stayed and been a team guy and been a backup in case of an injury. He went to LSU and he went 15 and 0 and number one pick and now he's in the NFL playoffs. Best quarterback transfer since t- uh, Troy Aikman. Hard to argue since you got undefeated national title. <laughs> I mean, I can start throwing other guys out. But... And top pick did Aikman go one? Yeah. Yeah. 
One had a Hall of Fame career. Jalen Hurts, maybe the next one. He's in the playoffs with the Eagles. He went to Oklahoma. Had a great year there. After leaving Alabama. Uh, yeah, okay. And so that's a really that's a success story. It's a success story, right. But I don't know that either I can't Peggle say it's better than Hurts are going to be big time quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Whereas Aikman won three Super Bowls. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Jake and Ben are coming up next. They will have more on the Jazz loss in Detroit. Stay with us. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.